So vindicated, but not outwardly. Yeah, and I mean, not to other people that didn't get the vaccine. It was like, it was like, okay, cool. Like we were, I don't want to say I was right, but I just glad that I trusted my intuition. So that's one of those things where I'm like learning how to trust my intuition because it's usually right like about everything. When I don't trust it, I end up in a bind. Like, so that for me was, that felt good to know that I like made the right choice based on my instincts and like what I felt was like, man, this seems, seems wrong. Something feels off. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what's interesting about that is throughout that whole time when it was really chaotic and everyone was pushing the shot and there was the branding of, oh, you don't care about grandma. Oh, yeah. And you're a piece of crap because yeah, yeah. you're putting everyone's lives at risk. You were the problem with society. Anti-vaxxer. Yeah. And all that. The anti-vaxxer is still being thrown around. Oh, I know. Even it, locally. Yeah. It's stupid. It's like. Freedom of choice, whatever happened to that. Yeah, that went out the window. Yeah, it totally did. Yeah. And it was really random and weird how people got so like aggressive about it too. But I was during that whole time, because I was kind of like you, I was on the other end of it. I was almost hoping that I was wrong. Because yeah. the idea that I was right and all of these it's other people. It's kind of scary. Were, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I know. It just for me, it, it didn't feel, I was like, well, whether you're right or wrong, I don't know, but I shouldn't be forced to have to do something. That's what it was for me. My whole like delineator was if like, well, if I'm holding the hands of my loved ones as they're all like dying around me, then I'll take this shit seriously. But I, but having that background with the vet tech thing and all that and like knowing how vaccines are supposed to be like test and how many years it can take to actually make a legitimate vaccine. I was just like, fuck that. Like, there were no studies. Like, that was the study. Now look at what we're seeing, you know? So Yeah, meanwhile, the study that they did countered a lot of what the conditioning was around it. Mm -hmm. That, oh, actually, it doesn't stop transmission at all. They yeah, didn't no. even test for I, I think I like, saw, like, a little blurb of you talking with some uh, yeah, probably that. I, the other night, I looked up a few things just to see what you've been up to, and I was like, oh, I think we're having a very different conversation. Like, yeah, some of these, you're, I'm like, dang. You had Tessa on, though. She's cool. Yeah, she's awesome. She's fun to talk to. Yeah, I've known her quite a long time. Her YouTube channel is off the charts. Oh, I have Her, her videos it. are so cool, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah, she makes canning videos. She has going to the farmer's market, her... Yeah, I buy a lot of her, her chicken meat at the market. Yeah, yeah. She's cool. Yeah, she's, she's way cool. about to have a baby too. Yeah. She's like on bed rest now. Yeah, So I can imagine. I should look up her YouTube channel. That's something I kind of been thinking about doing like as a new thing, like with all my extra time and energy. <laughs> I know nothing about it, but you know. You could do it, especially with the Academy. You mm -hmm. could put up dog training tips you that's what do. i'm thinking it'll just gives people more of a direct like line to information like from me that's not having to like come to classes all the time so we'll see you should do it get would through you, all this is crap that what first. you would do is dog focused or yeah kind of life focused dog, maybe like i'm always into throwing in a little life into the dog but um yeah dog focused for sure yeah i think it would be good for the clients you know to have a place to go because that's one of my biggest problems people going online and looking up all kinds of different shit you know and then asking me about it and i'm like just trust me <laughs> yeah then they listen come to, to me isn't this what i'm supposed yeah well to isn't this well this trainer says this i'm like oh boy this yeah is that tiktok trainer is not right mm-hmm or what you see like a little five second blurb isn't necessarily like going to be explained very well to you. So, yeah. <laughs> I have noticed there's been a huge kick around people changing up their, the food that they feed their dogs. At yeah, least adding that's water actually, to kibble. That's one of my topics I want to, I want to talk about today because I got huge into dog nutrition. That's just been the little thing I've started learning about how to do like the, using the stories on my Instagram and stuff like that and putting up like quick little things. So I noticed there's a ton of people that all, that's all they look at. They don't, they don't take time to read shit. No. So I've been starting to do that and I'm hit getting a lot of people asking questions, being interested and like 
because I'll cook for the dogs a few days a week and share like what I put in there and people are like really inspired and into it. I think that's one of the leading causes of like death in dogs is dog food. That's what we were talking about last time is mm-hmm. you were kind of thinking maybe that's why these dogs are getting sick is from the food yeah, and the, getting cancers and these yeah, diseases. Yeah, and that's a, a lot of the information's out there now about it. That I mean, dog, dog food is, is human food. It's just like shocker, low grade human food. Like so, that's when people when vets used to tell clients no human food, like that they're just like programming their minds that, but that doesn't make any sense like at all you know so so yeah that's been something i've been trying to incorporate into my classes just like little bits here and there to clients like you can like give your dog real food and it's better for them even just adding water to the kibble is like a big deal yeah i didn't know about the kibble yeah the kibble's like so dehydrated and dried out that you think about like some people complain all the time about how much their dogs how much their dogs drink water and how much they pee and stuff and i'm like well it's probably because they're trying to process all that all that preserved crap, you know, in their in their stomach. So I think that's a big part of it. Are people pretty receptive to that? Yeah, they are. Some people just kind of look at me like they're not sure. But I think I've been doing it long enough now that um, people are listening more. Like You've got some credibility. Yeah. When I was like in my 20s doing this, I got a lot more flack. But I think dog owners have changed too since then. A lot. Like people love their dogs a lot more. I don't want to say a lot more now, but a lot of people aren't having kids. And their dogs are their kids, so that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so. I can think back to even when I was a kid, growing up, my grandfather had a farm, and the dogs weren't like members. Of, you wouldn't call your dog a member. Of the they family. were like livestock. Yeah, just like they were like the chickens outdoor. Yeah, it's definitely not the case anymore. Yeah. <laughs> now people have they buy little sweatshirts for their oh, dogs. Yeah. yeah, it's a whole thing. They're spending all their money on their dogs for sure. Yeah, who saw that coming? Yeah, I know. Well, and it's also great for me because it's like I always say like dogs were domesticated fifteen thousand years ago, and now like I have a whole like livelihood business like designed around it. You know, so they've they've really done a good job for themselves. <laughs> it is. It's crazy though that there's not. There's still a huge portion of people that don't train their dogs. Yeah, I know. They get these big dogs. Yeah. And just. Yeah. And those are like my least favorite cases when they contact me when they're all fucked up. Yeah. The dog's five years old. Mm -hmm. Just running. And I'm just kind of like, "Mm, you missed your window. That's another topic is just talking about like the early investment. Like I can't like drill that into people's brains like enough. Just don't. Even if vets should be ashamed of themselves, they're still telling clients, keep your dog at home until they're fully vaccinated because. It can mess up a lot of dogs for the rest of their life. So that's a big one for me, for sure, is getting them when they're young. That's my favorite thing to do because you're preventing. You can see, like, the change in, like, this one guy's dog that came to class. He, all he did was a three-week course. He was going to wait until next month to start. And I said, I would just do this little three-week course I'm going to do before the holidays. His dog completely changed in three classes. Like, it was terrified. It wouldn't even move and was shaking. To the next week, he was, like, kind of, like, reactive and, like, lunging at the dogs from doing weird stuff. And then the, by the third week, he was, like, wagging his tail and visiting and like i was like yeah that's why we start that's why i recommended this yep and he was like thank you (laughs) yeah you would think it's just like a child Mm -hmm. and if you isolated your kid and didn't have any rules for your kid to follow and didn't yeah no exposure any boundaries yeah Mm -hmm. yeah we know those kids yeah you see those kids grow up and they're little monster yeah yeah definitely. and your dog's the same way yeah or just being too shy you know and nervous like antisocial like that to me is a big deal especially little kids you know if they just like little kids that had to deal with 
COVID, going through schooling and during COVID. I see a lot of teenagers like that I just interacted a little bit in dog training class. They like, couldn't even function or handle taking instruction from me, like basic instructions, like making eye contact or just being able to like listen and execute basic tasks. I'm like, damn, this is annoying. <laughs> it's good to be seeing that already. Yeah, it is. And I've seen a lot of it actually. So I don't know, but... I get all these posts on Twitter about, you know, the youngest generation and how they're entering the workforce and they're not good employees because they don't have communication mm -hmm. skills. They can't interact with people. Mm -hmm. It's true. And they don't understand, like, I don't know, there's just this sense of like um, customer service and or like caring or even like the thing I notice is the funny thing is like counting money and like, cause I'm a big cash person. Like I still like, like to use cash, you know? And so if watching a young person try to like count back cash is painful, like it's a lost art. Like they're just like, Oh, here you go. You know, yeah, where do I put my card? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They kind of look at you like cash, like, like you're old. <laughs> So, yeah, it's interesting. There's definitely like a lot of um, skills are not being taught, I think. Or I guess the skills are just different. I mean, you could make fun of me for not knowing how to do a Instagram story, <laughs> having to learn how to do a reel. So, yeah. Meanwhile, those kids might be adept at chat GBT. Sure. Creating things. See, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more like, I like the real life stuff, though. You yeah. know what I mean? Like sometimes if you're spending too much time online. I think that's a problem, but that's just my opinion. Real life yeah. interactions, I think, are always going to be better and healthier for people. You know? Healthier for sure. Yeah, definitely. The online atmosphere is, I mean, it's easy to shit on it, but it's its definitely taking over. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you combat that or if people would even want to. I don't know. I think there's a balance that a lot of people maybe don't understand it. I definitely feel that like balance of, you know, using it for certain purposes. And I'm really good about keeping it positive. And like even things like talking about, you know, my marriage and stuff like that. I've only just put out a little bit of just like basic information and po mostly just positive, like how things are going with me. And I don't want to put anything out there negative. Same with the dog stuff. I had to learn the hard way, like earlier when I would take a strong stand on shot collars and different things like that. And um, I definitely had to learn the hard way. Um, the, I need if, like a lazy Susan and, that we could just <laughs> yeah, rotate just around. Yeah, just around. That's a good idea. <laughs> but yeah, I had to learn the hard way that if, if unless I'm down to like have a freaking conversation and an argument with people on my social media page, then I just leave it alone. It might not be worth it, you know? It's like some people don't want to to be educated but i will educate those people like in person and it's very different people are bold online because like, there's no consequences and they're negative like i had some lady the other day on this food thing everyone was totally into it all these ladies were all stoked about it and asking questions when he's like well pretty sure that most of these people would just throw a slab of meat down for their dog and so i totally disagree like with what you're trying to you know educate they, it's very important that you have this and that and i just i just deleted her comment <laughs> So I was like, and if she came back, like, that's what I do. And I just delete them. And then if they come back, I just block them. Because I'm like, I just don't have the time or the energy to deal with you. Like, unless they have a valid point. She's just being. <clears throat> and how often do they have a valid point? Not very often. No. And every now and then there has been. But I'm just like, yeah, you have your stance and I have mine. But I, just, I don't like arguing, really. It's just not my thing. So I try not to do that online. Yeah. Because, yeah, it can get negative and really bad really quickly, I think, with people. Because people are way more bold online. Like, if you're standing in front of me, would you really be saying that? No, probably not, you know? So, I don't know. For me, I try to make the balance of, like, not being on it too much. I notice I've been on it a lot more since, like, 
Jason's been gone because it's a social thing and it's a good thing in a lot of ways. But like just balancing it, though, with like making sure you're not just on the computer, on your phone all the time. Yeah. Balance it with actual human connection. Yeah. Interactions. Definitely. Yeah. So. Is it hard for you to maintain that balance of no. not engaging in the comments? Um, Not anymore. It was at first, like, wanting to, like, you know, stick up for, like, deal with everything, you know. But now, again, I'm just like, nah. Can just check out. Yeah, because I just don't, I don't think that people are going to get it. Like, I've realized that you can argue till you're blue in the face, but then they're, they're just dragging you into their own negativity. So, why go down that road? That's like the other, the lady the day is just, delete, bye. <laughs> yeah, block. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's kind of my thing with it. It's like I, I have a pretty good balance now, but it took years to figure that out for sure. Like it take, it's a practice. Yeah. It's for your business, especially. Yeah. So and in personal social media it's like, again, I think it's best to just keep it positive, too, for the most part without being fake. You know, that's the challenge is you want to be true to yourself and be authentic. But there's there's a line somewhere in there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, where it can go too far. Yeah. Especially about oversharing with personal things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure people reach out and especially with what you're going through, want to talk about it or talk to you or yeah. hear your story. And it's like, okay, yeah, I kind of want to share so that if somebody is going through something similar, they can yep. have this perspective. But it's also your life. Yeah. And you don't want to just put that out there for no. everyone. And I think it's a it's a lead by example. Like that's what, something I've learned is when there's lack of like anything else to do or thing other things aren't working, you just got to lead by example. People will pick up on it. I've gotten a lot of really cool like comments from other females like just messaging me and like texting me and being like just saying really cool stuff. Like you've always been an inspiration to me and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Like you're so strong and I'm like, dang, nice. Okay. So that's really cool. I, so that leading by example, it does come back. People don't always tell you things, but when they do, you're like, wow, that's awesome. I didn't really realize that, you know? So I think that's a, that's a something I live by the just do what you need to do and like, keep it, keep it on the straight and narrow. <laughs> don't get too out, too out of control. You know, yeah, don't wait into the mud. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very good way of putting it. I think I'm still trying to find that balance. I've talked about it a few times on this in regards to the comments, but I don't think I have a solid approach yet mm-hmm. because some of the things that get talked about on here. Yeah. How are you, how are you going to stay neutral? Well, that's probably part of your business though. You're going to have to like, for you, like you, I don't know with, with my situation, if you like educate very much on dog training, but some of these people that come on, you probably have to like prepare <laughs> for battle. <laughs> Like, I, I better be ready to, like, have a real discussion with this person, right? Like, because, I mean, you, I, can't, I can't imagine that you're an expert at, like, all these topics. I don't think I'm an expert at any of them. <laughs> well, you can, you, can, you can keep up with people. You know, you're not just like, oh, what about this? And, you know, it makes it more entertaining, you know? So that's that's something, like, that that's good, you know, to be able to, like, understand, like, people's opinions and argue it out. But, yeah, that's definitely not what I like doing. I'd be uncomfortable with that. I don't know if I would like to do that. I like to be, like, discuss the things I know that I, I know for sure. Otherwise, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to touch that subject. <laughs> See, that might be my problem is I'm not afraid to wade in. Yeah. I'll say, oh, I'm not. I don't really know, but let's have a but, conversation. But you'll have conversations or ask questions. Some people get pissed off if you just ask questions. But that's a good way to, like, start you know, a running commentary is to ask questions. And if people are already getting defensive when you're asking a question, it's like, mm, yeah. We have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's not like education. You're just like sticking to your guns on something and not explaining yourself. So, yeah. 
No. What always gets me is when they just expect that you know. Oh, you're not educated on this? You need to go educate yourself. Yeah, you're like, like oh. that's why I asked the question. Yeah, educate me. You're yeah, here. T- yeah, you <laughs> seem to know, so what's going on? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, go educate yourself. That kills me. Like, okay, so after we get off the podcast, I'll, I'll go educate myself. Yeah, and who am I supposed to educate myself to if I can't ask the question? Yeah. If everyone just says, oh, go educate yourself. How? Do, okay, how do I do? Well, yeah. I'm just going to go on Reddit. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> It's a crazy time. It is. It's a crazy world. Yeah, the post-COVID too. Like people are a little crazier than usual. Post-COVID, post in the middle of wars. Yeah. Not even post. I know. It's true. Yeah. I don't even like to focus on any of that stuff. So I'm just like, I'm in my bubble. <laughs> That's my problem. I can't get out of that bubble now. Mm. I'm so locked in mm-hmm. of just, okay, what's going on now? What's next? What's yeah. next? Yeah. I probably would be if like I was... If I had to look into it, you know, otherwise I'm like, I'll just stick with my dog brain. <laughs> I think it's happier that way. It just is. Let me unplug. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't directly affect you most of the time. Yeah. That's an argument that I've had with the significant other uh, many, many times. I'm just like, it's just a waste of time for me. Like, why do I want to get upset? Yeah. Cause this is something I can't change. There's educating yourself, but then there's like, what can you get out there and do that you can actually like make a difference and, and do and change? Like, I know I can like educate people and dogs and that I can cha- I can make a change that way. So I'd rather put all my energy into that, you know? And that's a positive topic. Yeah, definitely. You were just screaming into the void about Israel and Palestine. Yeah. When you're not over there and you don't really know what's going on at all. So that's my whole thing. I just, I get uncomfortable when I don't know the facts. I was like COVID. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I knew my intuition. So I just like flew under the radar until it was over, and I didn't like point fingers at anybody. I just was kind of like, hey, hey. let's let's find out <laughs> to the people that were you know adamant about needing it to be done. I was like, see, good luck, like you know. But yeah, I'm not I'm not a big arguer unless it's that's a bad thing. unless it's people in front of me and I'm making a point about something, you know, or people spreading misinformation about dogs. Yeah, for sure. Then you're like, okay, yeah, I'll go to bat over now. This. It's on. Yeah, now yeah. we can talk. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I think that's the healthy perspective to have and people don't engage in that. Mm-hmm. And that was something for COVID. You didn't see that on the other side. I talked to a lot of people on here who were hesitant of the vaccine, but were willing to wait and see how the information changed mm-hmm. or would admit that they didn't really know. And that's mm-hmm. why they were waiting is because Something didn't sound right to them. It didn't feel right. But everybody on the other side of that argument, nobody was taking a measured stance in that way. Yeah, it's true. Everybody was a doctor. They were just going for it. Yeah. Which is kind of scary how easily the minds can be manipulated in the masses. At the drop of a hat. Yeah. Talking about herd immunity and shit. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is where it's getting weird, guys. We're a herd now. Like Six feet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was the Get worst. in your bubble. I was just like pissed off for the first six months, like driving around in my Jeep with my handkerchief because I was like refusing to wear a mask. I never bought a mask. That, that was like a thing. Like someone made one for me one time and I'd like take the disposable ones, but I was like all handkerchief, like whatever. It's pissing me off. <laughs> I wore a neck gator. Yeah. Probably for a year. Yeah. Those are the easiest. Yeah. That. Not stopping anything. Yeah, no. But you're just like, okay, I'll cover my freaking mouth because everybody thinks that they're safer. Maybe the the KN95 masks might be like the one thing that I suppose would keep you somewhat safe. Supposedly but they didn't do anything either. Really? Yeah, I think it was the, the, the Cochrane review came out that even that the results were negligible. What a waste, that. dude. 
How many of those masks ended up in the ocean? So many. Landfills. Oh, mi- millions. I remember like during the, all those years, that's like what you would see on the ground everywhere. Just piles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hand sanitizer. <laughs> I mean, I have nothing wrong with hand sanitizer, but got a little excessive, you know? <laughs> Everybody's got it on them. Yeah, 24-7. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I actually have a lot of it because of my friend's kids. <laughs> I think it made me a little OCD there for a while because I was constantly washing my hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, I know. That was like one of my things too. I was like, all right, well, at least I'll wash my hands thoroughly if I'm not going to get vaccinated. Whatever. (laughs) It almost doesn't feel like the past few years have been real. I know. Right? When you think about it, everything that's, everything that's gone on. Like it shifted. Things shifted so quickly. Like part of all that stuff, like with the whole war and everything starting it, they just like pushed a huge shift of mindset so fast that like we didn't have a chance to be like, wait, hey, wait. What happened? I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. I think people are like, like again, they're just kind of like not even able to process what, what went on. It's so weird. You're just moving from one catastrophic event to the next. Yeah. You don't have any time to work through the emotions. And that's strangely what feels like pre-planned as well, you know, by the government. And I'm not but tra- it's weird how- I'm not trying to be how, the tinfoil yeah, hat, but- You could be the tinfoil hat. I can, yeah. <laughs> it's weird how we just, we're used to it now. Yeah just like that yeah it's con- the, the chaos is now the new normal yeah well and the internet's part of that too because people become so reliant on that too and like i don't know it's just it's like it's like, a, like a ball of big ball of stuff i've seen so many videos come out of ukraine of people just getting blown up mm. just an egregious amount it is so weird that we now have the internet to document these wars mm-hmm. and i'm sure stuff's coming out of Israel and Gaza, yeah. which probably just equally as insane. I watched this one video of this guy, this Russian guy, and he was running around this cart and a drone was chasing him. And there were two angles. There was like a drone higher up in the sky videoing it. And then you had the video feed from the drone. Wow. And it's just, he knows what's happening and he's running around the cart and the drone is chasing him and then it catches him and just blows up. That's scary. That's creepy. Yeah. See, that's why I don't like to look at that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you're probably happier because of <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, mean, I don't want to be, about that all don't the be time. ignorant, but that's scary stuff. Yeah. And that was like really frustrating to see that and not be able to do anything about it. You know, that's frustrating. Yeah. How do you stop that? Yeah. It's just sad, sad you know, just Dis- very disheartening. I keep thinking how, how long before something like that comes here with the drone technology? I mean, drones are incredibly cheap nowadays. That's true. And someone just like everyone straps. Everyone them some homemade bomb on it and flies you gotta it somewhere. stop now <laughs> it's probably possible right now right oh without a doubt yeah without a doubt yeah i mean people make homemade bombs all the time yeah yeah not good just fly that sucker around yeah <laughs> it's not good at how do you all. stop that you don't you don't yeah you just hope people don't do it i guess <laughs> yeah i don't know if i have that much faith in humanity anymore people are yeah, I know. There's People not, are going a little sideways. It's true. You have to choose your circle of friends, I think, and people you surround yourself with. I mean, you can't always like control everything, but I think that's something that you can control, like who you spend your time with. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And some people just aren't like, I don't want to say not worth the time, but... You know, some situations and some people just might be a little too much like to, to carry. So, you know, just keep it simple. Be around people that make you happy. Maybe that's the best way to go, you know. 
I know a lot of people that have these relationships with people that are just draining on them. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a cancer that they just continually choose to keep in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could sympathize with that. You know, sometimes things are just that's your reality until it becomes different all of a sudden you're like whoa i have a choice like okay you know now it's it's different so but yeah i think sometimes people just carry carry those things because it's your family it's your you know it's your obligation your loyalty your level of loyalty like i'm an extremely loyal person so i could take a lot from people you know but then yeah the older you get you're kind of like is this worth it? You know, do I, I've lost friendships over the years that you're really bummed about and sad about. But then my mom said that to me one time, she was like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to hold on to every relationship that you have. She says there, there's going to be a lot of them that will end and that's okay. Like, because sometimes they're just meant to be like for a part of your life, not your whole life. That's pretty rare. And I was like, that's actually really absolutely true. I think even with you know people getting divorces, so a lot of people, a lot more people nowadays that get divorced. But I don't know, is it better to stay in a in a situation where you're unhappy because of obligation, or is it better to to decide maybe this it's time you know to move on? That's the question. Is I think the generation before us, it was just you would white knuckle it through your relationship until the end. Yeah, no matter how bad it got or if you weren't happy. Yeah, and you could you see some together. Pretty, pretty unhappy people. Pretty unhappy people. Yeah, so that's not good. But then you have the reverse of the generation below that is, I mean, with with Instagram, with Tinder, I wonder if anybody's going to get married. My God. Now that you just have access to everyone in the world yeah, it's kind of at a swipe. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Your options are limited. I don't think I'm going to do the Tinder. You're not on there <laughs> No, uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, Tinder, there's... That's Hinge, weird. Bumble, there's a couple of them out there. Yeah, I remember one time my friends were saying something about Tinder, and we were like at a bar, and my husband was with me, and, and uh, they, they were talking about Tinder, and I was like, oh, Tinder, for like fire starter material? I'm like, we collect that all the time, oh, and no. they're like... Oh, Gianna. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Very naive. <laughs> yeah, Tinder's an interesting place. Yeah, no Tinder. <laughs> never say never. That's true. I guess I can't say never. We'll wait. We'll see in six months. <laughs> I think there something came out a while ago that most people nowadays are getting into relationships online. Mm-hmm. That's how they start now. Well, I guess it's a it's a broader reach. I mean, that's, I guess, a positive thing, right? For some people, I'm sure it totally works out. You know, Otherwise, maybe you'd never find that person. So that's the pro, right? Yeah. Is you might come across somebody that you wouldn't have met otherwise yeah. without that. Yeah. I'm more into like, I guess the hopeless, like, you know, oh, meet you meet a person in real yeah, life. Yeah. 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 Bump into them at the market. Yeah. And it happens. Yeah. But you don't meet people that are like outside your town or your area that way. So yeah. I and mean, the internet has its advantages for sure. Major advantages. I wonder what that's going to do. Obviously. I mean, I don't even know the state of relationships in our world today. Because you have that. So why, at the slightest inconvenience, why stay? Because you could go find someone that's theoretically better. Yeah. At least on the screen, they appear to be better. Yeah. And you're just bouncing around. Which a lot of that is definitely not reality at all. Like what you see in pictures and things like that a lot of times are not like the reality of the situation. They're not even real people anymore. You've got AI (laughs) models on Instagram. Like, yeah, people getting hacked left and right. Like, I know, like every week I 
somebody ends up getting hacked one of my friends i'm like is this you like i have this friend who's he's gay and he was like his he popped up as a friend request and he's like hey beautiful how are you today and i was like and i saw him at the gas station the same day i was like Hey, um, I think you got hacked, and I was like, I'm like, not that I don't, you know, thanks for the compliment, yeah, thanks, but I was like, but... that didn't sound like you. And he's like, God damn it, again. He's like, thanks for telling me, but I was just like, mm, that doesn't sound like how he would say hello to me. And I'm pretty sure we're already friends on Facebook. I guess he he's been hacked like ten times. He was a business, and he like he he has this whole company that's making sweatshirts and making money off of his business that he doesn't even he didn't even know about until he found it online after somebody told him about it. He's like, "This isn't even me." It's kind of crazy. That's the scary internet stuff that I don't like. Yeah, ten times is a lot. That's yeah. Something's got to change there. Definitely, they're getting more creative. That's the scary part. Yeah, are they even real humans? Like that's the other scary part. <laughs> I don't know. I was watching, I think I was watching a video where they were generating somebody's voice and it was this lady's granddaughter and they called her up and got money out of her and they were just doing it to show this is how easy it is now. You can match somebody's voice yeah. off like a three second clip. That's crazy. And yeah, my friend had this thing where, where she got her Instagram hacked and someone was like messaging her family members saying like that her kid wanted, can you, can you get me like, um. I don't remember what it was like, GameStop, like... Coupons uh, or mm -hmm, gift cards? Gift cards. And and that was like crazy to me. And like posting like pictures of her kid and stuff. I'm like, that would piss me off. That's creepy. Not good. See, that goes back to the sharing on these platforms, the oversharing. Yeah. I don't even see the appeal. You have people that are constantly posting their partners or who they're dating and all this stuff. I don't even, I don't like posting period. Yeah. Outside of the podcast, I probably wouldn't post anything. Actually, I wouldn't post anything. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my MO. Incognito. Just, yeah. Yeah. I like sharing some things and I guess it's like a, it's a, a good feeling sometimes like for positive to get positive feedback. And I guess I take note to like, is this going to be like helpful, you know, harmful, uh, and is it going to make a point or a difference, you know, and if not, maybe it's not worth it. So I don't know. That's kind of my rules. <laughs> yeah. When I post for this, I just, I just put it out there. I was like, like posting some people are going to love it. About, some people are going to hate about it. About growing sprouts. And I was like, people probably think I'm a total lunatic. And this morning, this one chick's like, this is so inspiring. She's like, I've always wondered how to make sprouts. She's like, you're totally making me want to do this now. And I was like, all right. I've one sprout enthusiast. So it was worth it. <laughs> see, that's the good side <laughs> that's of the social good. media. Yeah. You get to see that. Yeah. And you get to have those interactions with people. Yeah. And be like, oh, well, if people think I'm a sprout dork, I don't really care. <laughs> I'm making sprout converters. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's good for you. Yeah. The growing your own food is just, it's lost today. Yeah, it is. That's why I like Tessa's channel. She does a lot of that and she's showing people yeah. how to process chickens, how to get back the skills that so we've kind of lost. The basics, yeah. Yeah. Which are not basics at all. It's hard work. Like I follow and I, I get almost all of my food from Shake Fork Farm in Carlotta. And um, that's something that I started doing this year more than ever is just like supporting as much locally as I possibly can. You know, and them um, with their, their chicken and their beef and I got a turkey from them and like being able to go out to the farm and see where the food is grown. Like I remember driving out and seeing my turkey out there just like chilling in the sun and then the next week picked the poor guy up and he was 
gone. But for me being a former vegetarian for 18 years, like that, I can get behind eating meat because it's healthier for me because I had so many allergies to the things that a vegetarian was supposed to eat that I had to go back to eating meat. So I found a way to make it like ethical to where I was like, okay with it. So that's kind of my thing with food. It's like eat seasonally and like try to keep it as close to home as you possibly can. That's, that feels really good too. I like that a lot. So that's why I like going to the farmer's market and seeing Tessa and, you know, going out to Shake Fork Farm and stuff like that. Cause that's, that's like the best way to live. I think it got me healthy again too. Like keeping the food pretty, pretty fresh, you know, pretty close to home. And the seasonal eating thing, I like that. Cause you're not forcing produce to produce, you know, to ripen when it's not supposed to. Like I don't even anymore. And I, I look at tomatoes in the grocery store and I'm like, it's not going to taste good. Cause it's a tomato in December, you know? So I don't know. That's just kind of my, it's my new, I wouldn't say maybe, maybe a little obsession, but I, and then I'll eat things like right now I'm just about over squash cause I've eaten so much freaking squash cause it's, it's in season right now. I ate so many apples from Clendenin's and I was like, oh, I can't, I can't see another I'm ready apple. ready for the season to change. Yeah, yeah. So ready for the next, you know, the next things to come along. You were vegan for 18 years? Vegetarian. Vegetarian. I did veganism for six months and that was hardcore like, like i'm going back to vegetarian yeah because it was just it was too much like it was just um like because i tried to do all the things like you're not even supposed to go to the movies because of the the film that it's printed on and stuff like that and like you know the animal byproducts you can't go so, to the movie yeah and i can't remember exactly what it was but it was something about the way that the film's processed there's animal products in it so you can't even it's like, not even just consuming animal products. No, it's like a whole everything. You know, what's on your p shoes? Is there like leather strap on your on your pants? You know, all the things that go into it. Like what's in your um, what's in your lotion and all that stuff. So yeah, it, it was like like a full time job just trying to be vegan. I felt like I was like, eh, I'm kind of doing this to be pompous. I think I'm gonna chill out a little bit. But then the vegetarian to meat eating again was all allergy based. So. My segue meat was beef jerky. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go for it. And I was like, damn, this is really it's a good. good. Segue. <laughs> it was. It was perfect. Yeah. That's what. That's how it started was it was a dietary thing? Yep. Having all kinds of stomach issues and, you know, just feeling miserable. And finally going to the right doctor that did the right tests. And they're like, eggs, which really sucks because I'm still allergic to eggs and I have freaking 11 chickens. But I give them to the neighbors and friends and people that I care about. Um, and I trade them for things. So it's really cool. I do, you know, so I, I enjoy that for that. And I love my chickens. I'm not going to get rid of them, you know, now just because I can't eat eggs. The dogs eat the eggs, you know. And so it's worthwhile to me. Um, but yeah, like um, some of the other things like wheat, yeast, like corn. At the time, corn, soy, wheat, oats. Which is 90% yeah. of food oh, nowadays. peanuts. I was like, oh, I'm screwed, man. And like all the vegetables and all the meats. Um, and half the fruits were fine. And I was just like, okay. And that's pretty much kind of how I eat now. Like I lost 30 pounds this year over the course of the year. A lot of it was towards the end getting, getting well again, but also cutting out like all the extra crap. I mean, not alcohol, but <laughs> and it can't be perfect, but, but the bread and like all the other things eating out, like I don't even really enjoy eating out anymore. Like I do when it's the right place and the food's actually good and the service is good. I've been to some places before. I'm like, 
What's going on? Seriously? Like, are you really serving me right now? Because, like, I could get up and go to the kitchen and get it myself, you know? I the, That's why I like to eat out, is to just sit down and relax, you know? that's I like, like sushi spots really good. It's one of my favorite places to go to. I, like, trek up to Arcata to get there, you know? But... I had a really good, I went to, um, down to Rio Del, um, to the Wildwood Waffles the other day. Have you ever been now? You probably don't no. go down that way very often. Yeah. There's this place called Route 101. It's in like a nursery hydroponic store and they have like a waffle shop in it and it's called Wildwood Waffles and it's good. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. The guy's getting ready to like sell the business and, and the, um, they're going to move it to the Scotia Lodge. Like it used to call the Scotia Inn, but that's a cool place to go too. Like if you go down that way, um, but yeah, the the waffle place is good. Yeah, very good. So there's some places that are good. Fortuna doesn't have a very like wide variety Limited selection. It is. So you got to drive up north, you know, to to eat out. So I just mostly like cook my own food. It's just easier. Easier and healthier for you. It is. It's just simpler. You know what's going into it. You know, it's cheaper. So like it's not super cheap to buy all that local fresh food, but it's way cheaper than eating out, especially if you're drinking. Like twelve, you gotta have a little twelve dollar margarita. Yeah. Oh, Tuya's in Ferndale is fantastic. I love that place. I've been there either. It's so good. Like really good. I'd probably eat there once a week, and like never have problems like with my stomach ever. I know so many people that have dietary issues, and part of me is curious. Is it the food that we're cultivating nowadays or is it everything that's being sprayed on the food? Probably a combination for sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it's a combination. And I think overdosing, like that was part of my problem is just overdosing on specific things so much for so long that my body's like, nah, uh, I don't want, I don't like you anymore. Because a lot of the things I was allergic to originally, I went back to eating as long as I didn't go overboard. But like part of the problem with the eggs is I was eating eggs like two, three times a day sometimes. So I like got toxic on eggs. So I think variety is important. That's why I like the seasonal eating concept. Like kind of forces you to just like to rotate what you're eating. and Get more of a balance. Yeah. Instead of just honing in on one thing. Yeah. Like I used to eat like peanut butter toast every morning. Now I'm like, I'll like bake squash and like put chicken on it and like some goat cheese. It's like a totally random breakfast, but I feel good. Like, so it's better to feel good than to eat something that's not gonna make you feel good all day. You know, I I let go of the concept of breakfast foods because if you can't eat eggs, like I'm not a big bacon eater, then like, and that's not really that good for you anyways, you know, or oatmeal and stuff. Like, so I just, I make more like dinner for breakfast a lot of times now. So it's kind of good. What does that look like for you? Like I said, like the squash right now with the, with or like just ba- I'll get up and like bake chicken first thing in the morning, you know, or I'll do things like that. Or I'll just have like almond butter on apples or things like that. Simple stuff, you know, put a little protein on your vegetables or fruit and you're, you're good to go. Yeah. I, I like cheese a lot for sure. Yeah. Cheese is good. Cheese, bread is the hard one for me. It's bread re- and pasta. It's really hard for me. Pasta, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of. I'm a sucker for some pasta. Yeah. I'm not, I'm big sucker for bread, but the longer I've stayed away from it, like I've noticed that I've like, I'll get itchy now when I eat it and I'm like, oh, okay. Or I'll just, my stomach will hurt and I'll feel bloated. So I only get like maybe a loaf of bread like once every two weeks now. And I'm like, damn, but I do love bread. I've kind of gotten over the addiction of it though. Like, you know, some people say they give up sugar. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm not a big sugar. I mean, eater, but except for the alcohol, that's another form, but the bread thing. Yeah. It took me like two weeks of not eating it. And I was like, okay, I'm okay now. Um, now I can eat it sporadically, but I think it is a bit of an addictive, you know, thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially sugar, the amount of sugar they just put in everything. Yeah, that's true. 
huh. you're just consuming it all the time. I had hot sauce one time that had a ton of sugar in it. That's weird. Like why Why do we have sugar, sugar in hot and hot sauce? Sugar and hot sauce. Yeah, that's random. Just cranking it and everything. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I want to do, or my plan is to do the carnivore diet for a month. Oh, and God. And just see, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, there's, you might end up with gout. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I haven't heard that. Well, I mean, it's usually generally hereditary, but um, that happened to somebody that I know. Trying the carnivore diet? Yeah. Just the gout flare up came up within like a few days. I just think it's too much meat. Go like meat and vegetables. At least I was throw doing, in some veggies. I was doing meat and strawberries and olive oil for a while. Uh-huh. And I felt great. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Just that. Just that. I had a guy in here. He was running the equipment. Shout out to Andy for a while and he would just make fun of me every day because I'd bring it in a little meal prepped container uh-huh. and just eat that yeah, before we we're going to do a podcast. OCD yeah, just meal prepping. He's like, you're eating meat, strawberries and, and olive, olive oil. oil. What are you just, are you like taking shots of olive oil? No, or? the olive oil is just drizzled on top. Okay, okay. That's, that's kind of sad. But I felt great. Yeah, that's the thing. I had a thing. mental clarity. Yeah. I didn't feel lethargic. I felt like I was running on all cylinders. Yeah, well, everybody's different. So that's when you find the right like equation ratio of like what you need, I think that's the most important thing. Like for me, eating chicken and turkey is like more of my jam than any other kind of meat. And then um, having more of that than anything else, like, and vegetables, like perfectly happy with that, my sprouts. (laughs) I think for me, a lot of the issues stem from just carbs. Just too, too many. many carbs in my yeah. diet. I think they're good, like in in certain rations. I, I like rice a lot. Rice is always like really soothing and like calming for my gut too. So, but I think yeah, anything you can overdo it. But yeah, rice is a good one for me. It's a, a staple sometimes. So I'm gonna have to check into the gout thing now. I'm a little. I want to try it. I had a guy careful. on <laughs> today who's carnivore and has been doing it for years and loves and it. probably loves it, yeah. Loves it. Who knows? People are, that's another cult. It's like the vegetarian, vegan cult where people fall yeah. into it and then it's this all-consuming thing of, oh, everyone's got to do this because yeah. the but effects are so great. not necessarily right for everybody. Yeah. It just simplifies the diet though. For some people, probably then they're just not eating all the things. So it's Yeah, it might not be the best diet necessarily, but you're eliminating all of these problem foods for you. Yeah. So you just... Being more feel better because, more strict. Yeah, because you're only eating one thing. Totally. And meat is so bioavailable and your body can process it that it's not, you don't have these stressors on it. That's true. Especially depending on where you get your meat from. I think that's important too. Like just going to the store and buying Winco meat. I'm not sure I would suggest that. I've been getting uh, meat from cash and carry and I started thinking, I don't know how I, well I get that. Like meat. one of my friends said that bu- the bougie food because I like that and I... That, there's certain things I like that are bougie, like my delivered Crystal Springs water, you know, not no tap water and the, the bougie meat and vegetables. I'm fine with that. Like I'll spend more money on that. I don't need to buy a bunch of other stuff. Like that's really important to me. And and alcohol, like the good stuff. Yeah, get the quality. Yeah, like this one here. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. If you were going to spend money on something, the food that you're eating is probably a good choice. Yeah. It's more expensive. I just don't even really pay attention. Like I bought the CSA share already for next year. And I, I remember I it was more than it was the year before, but I'm like, it's fine because it's going to be like 24 weeks of vegetables. I don't have to go to Safeway anymore. I rarely ever go to the store. If I get meat from them too, it keeps me out of the store. I only go to the grocery store like once a month now. So it's kind of nice csa shares out like a food co-op yeah and and when they it's a csa you go you go in uh you sign up for it and that farm makes sure they take on just so many people so that when you go to the farmer's market every week 
they have a certain amount for you, a certain ration for you. So you're like their priority customer. You've already signed on to support them and they're going to support you in that future year by giving you a certain amount of vegetables every week for the whole season. So that's, they're like the ones that like really like are the, behind the concept of the seasonal eating for me. Cause I'm just like, I'm not going to go to the store and buy a bunch of random stuff. I don't have a taste for it anymore. And I force myself to like utilize what I, what I've gotten that week. Even if it's like something, I'm just like, what the hell is this? I'm like, well, well, that's cool because you're getting it local. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what's going into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know them now, like get to go out to the farm and stuff. So it just makes it even better. Yeah. I love them. They're awesome. Yeah. That seems like the way to do it. Yeah. And they've like hired me to go out there and do educational talks with their staff and stuff with their livestock guardian dogs. And it's just, I love that local reciprocal relationship. I'm, I'm big on that. I think. I've been wanting to check out, I think it's the Foggy Bottoms boys down there. Mm -hmm. And they do, They just open an ice cream shop. Yeah, I like heard. People are already like, it's so good. Raving about it. Yeah, my friend went the other day with her kid and she was like, the ice cream's so good. And they, my, her and her mom know um, one of the guys and stuff and like just the nicest guys, I guess. So yeah, they're making a name for themselves. I think they do, they sell beef as well. Yeah, and I, I think they do, they do eggs. eggs. Yeah. yeah. I've seen them at the farmer's market. But it seems like they have a pretty cool setup down there with a regenerative farming approach. I haven't looked into it very much. Or rotational farming, maybe uh -huh. not regenerative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've definitely seemed to be doing pretty good for themselves. And they're in Ferndale? I think or Ferndale. In, and their place is in Lolita, I think, the ice cream shop. Okay. I haven't gone there. Yeah, I've heard good things about the ice cream. I haven't made it down there yet. I haven't. Check it You'll out. have to go down south. <laughs> I know. It's, it's hard for me to get out of oh, even Eureka. You're working. Day. Yeah. 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 Working too much. Yeah. Work, living in the studio. Workaholic. <laughs> uh, yep. It's a thing. It's easy to slip into. Yeah. I Well, I know I'm trying not to do that as much because then I don't enjoy it as much. So it's hard because the, the customers, the clients are there, but I'm sometimes I'm just like, it's a lot of brain power to use. So sometimes when I get overloaded, I'm like, it's time to back off a little. Because I just like, it's like being a therapist, but for like a dog and a human. Yeah, you've got two clients. Yeah, it's like kind of, people don't understand sometimes. I think they are more and more, but it's like, yeah, it's it can be exhausting. I can get really good clients nowadays, but still it's exhausting. It's like sometimes you got to do the self-care thing to make sure you're good at your job still, you know. Self-care is a struggle. Yeah. I think that's something that comes with age. Start, yeah, I definitely don't have going, that yet. Screw that. I don't, yeah. I don't feel good, man. I'm what am still I doing? in that mindset of just keep your nose to the grindstone and yeah. burn the candle at both ends. No, I I told someone I know um, re recently that it's 25 and he works all the time, all the time. And I just said, well, just take it from me. Like I, when you look back on your twenties, you're not going to be like, damn, I wish I'd worked more. And he just kind of like shakes his head about it, you know? And it's like, and I'm like, well, I can't tell anybody to change what they're going to do. But I remember my twenties, all I did was worked. Didn't have a very good time. But again, maybe that's not a good thing for everybody. Maybe it's better to wait till you're a little more mature, like to, to back off a little bit. So I don't know. I don't know what the right, the right thing is for everybody. But I do think like sometimes when you get working too much like it takes away from other things that you could be doing with your life you know that's the challenge with advice is you're not going to hear it until you're ready to hear it yeah and then you'll be telling somebody 
and younger. frustrated. Just listen. I'm yeah, yeah. telling you the truth. But You're yeah. going to appreciate it down the road. A lot of people aren't going to hear if they don't want to. You could say it. Like, I'll just, if I feel like saying something like, you know, just a quick little brief thing, if someone hears it or not, you know, it's up to them. But I don't want to lecture anybody either. Even hearing you say that, I can recognize that yeah yeah the idea that you're, you're gonna all, look back on huh. your 20s and be like damn i wish i yeah worked even longer yeah that's not gonna happen but well, even hearing you say that i'm thinking oh, yeah. i can't do it <laughs> just take <laughs> a day, a day off yeah <laughs> uh, you'll get there i spot if i i feel like my existence at this point if i let off the gas i start to spiral if uh, i have downtime yeah. it's almost like i'm not stimulated and then I just, I lose my mind. Just I start causing problems. I sit like on your ass self- or you like to go? No, I like to self-implode. Cause like, trouble. Yeah, I just. <laughs> That's the good stuff though, but you, I know. It's, Sometimes it's good. It, Sometimes yeah. it bites in the ass. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is. Sometimes it's nice. I can have a little that. chaos. You yeah. Know, it keeps things interesting. But then you got to like get back on the rails and yeah, keep the train right on the, the track. Ship. Yeah. One day a week off too, maybe, you know, or take like vacations. I'm on staycation right now. So I'm just like, people are calling and like emailing and I'm just, nope. I'm out. I'm out. out yeah, I'm out. I haven't had a, like a minute to breathe all year. So this is like, it was perfect to be able to do this today because I don't have all this other stuff going on. So it's good. Staycations aren't always terrible. People are like, where are you going? What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't go anywhere. I don't have any money to do that, but I'm going to like just unwind and hang out and do things. I'm not a, a big hangouter, but I like to like ride my horse every day, like go outside with the dogs, walk the dogs, you know, do with the, all the things that you like neglect in your life, you know, like gardening and things like that too. Like, I'm not necessarily gardening right now. After the last rain, like the whole backyard is pretty much underwater. So that's not cool but the chickens don't mind they just tromp around in it <laughs> when do you feel like you hit that state where you could find the balance and take the staycation and kind of unplug and recognize everything's going to be okay uh, i think for me it happened like in the last maybe five six years of just starting to realize like yeah that and not to say that people aren't appreciative but it's it's not even like that it's like people people aren't gonna back off or give you a break you're gonna be responsible for that yourself it's like when i took over the business entirely in 2016 i was just like like that like constantly going like i gotta go i gotta go you know i'm super competitive i'm gotta be the best dog trainer there's you know i shouldn't nobody else should be be taking jobs like it should be all me and then i'm like that's that's kind of ridiculous like you (laughs) you don't have to be the only dog trainer in humboldt you know and so yeah there's this fear of like being the best too so for me, like getting those like best of Humboldt and this and that, that kind of plugged a little thing in my head to be like overly competitive because I'm a super competitive person. But then after a while, I'm just like, we got to like let 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 that go a little bit because like what's it going to actually like get you in the end, like total burnout or like not being good as good at my job. Like I notice when I do like unplug a little bit, like shuts off a certain side of your brain for a little while and like it activates the other side. Like for me, it's like the creative side, the side that's like just kind of dormant because I'm focusing and thinking and helping and giving and doing all the time. So I think that's an important reason to do it too. Shut off that side of the brain for a minute and let it like chill out. And, and do something with your other side. I don't know. That's kind of the way I feel when I take those little vacations. Well, it makes sense. It allows you to recharge. It and does. And then you can come back 
better. Yeah, and if people, the sad thing is like feeling like, oh, it's like I, uh, it sucks because I get these calls and emails for people that like desperately want help, and I'm just, I just can't. So I've got, I've given up on feeling guilty about it, being like, I just can't help everybody when they need the help. If I did, I would be totally exhausted. I wouldn't be having a good time, and all, everything else in my life would be neglected. So yeah, that's like being a little bit like, and I don't even like using the word selfish, but it, where it's designed to feel selfish for like self taking care, care of like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's it's like it's, I think it's an American thing too. There was who was I talking to? It was like oh, I can't remember. It was someone I was having a conversation with. Oh, it was like um, the talking about. In, in Europe and how people live their lives in Europe versus here and how different America is. And we're just like programmed from birth to just go, 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 work, 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 work all the time. And that, that their lives in a lot of these countries over there, that they're totally different. And they, their focus is on, I work to enjoy my life, like to support what I want to do just enough to have a really good, like fulfilled, like fun life. So earn enough to, like enjoy your time off, which I think is really smart, you know, not to, you know, not to work all the time constantly without a break. So yeah, we don't have the just enough mentality here. Nope. Nope. It's all or nothing. It is. Yeah. That's like kind of like all these other indoctrinated things that we see here in America. There's not a lot of like chilling out. <laughs> so I think the part of that's being competitive nation too, right? Well, just how we came to be. Yeah. The struggle. Totally. The grind. Yeah. Yeah. Out working, out yeah. doing everything. So we got to keep doing it, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm learning to, I, you know what it, it took my, my neurologist said to me one time, it was a couple years ago and I was telling him that I was like, I'm having more problems with my brain activity and just like my condition and stuff. And he's like, and I was telling him how often I was working and what was going on. He's like, he's like, it sounds like you're taking in too much data. And I was like, He's like, I think you need to back off a little bit. He's like, for the sake of like your brain and like your health, he's like, if you can just back off a little bit, because you know, you you can afford to find ways to afford to back off. And that that like was a when you know when someone just says like something very simple and basic, but it sticks in your mind forever. It that just was clicks. that was very profound. I was like, thanks, doc. Like, all right. Good advice. And I'm like, the doctor told me. <laughs> Too. I have to. So I have to. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a funny delivery approach because it gave me like this like guiltless way of being like, well, the doctor said I have yeah, to. Yeah. I don't want to take time off, but yeah, but doc's going to tie my hands. Yeah. So it was actually like a good, it was a nice gift. Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Iverson. <laughs> I might need to go see the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Say, hey. <laughs> yeah. Find a condition that I have so I could take some time off. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I feel like that ethos is so just intrinsically tied to where I am in this place. Yeah. That it's just, the idea of separating myself from that is almost terrifying. Mm. That you just gotta, just gotta work. I listen to a lot of motivational videos mm -hmm. and the challenge with that is every one of those people says you, you can't have time to focus on balance because the people that focus on balance aren't gonna make it where you wanna go. So you have yeah. to give it all. But then you have these successful people who have made it and they're constantly saying, oh, yeah, I probably could have taken more time off yep. in my 20s and in my 30s and and have gotten to where I am still. Yeah. Well, it's probably a bit of an addiction. Like, we, all, I think we all have addictions to different things. And so I work as an addiction, I think, like, to, to keep it up. For me, like I said, it was a competitive thing and not wanting to fall behind. 
or like, you know, disappoint anybody or not be the best. And I'm just like, what is the best? Like, does that, you can't even quantify that. But it's the simplest little thing, like by getting an award for something makes you like, well, I got to get it next year. What if I take this time off or what are people going to say if I don't get back to them or, you know, it's going to ruin my reputation or. Yeah, then I'm going to fall off and yeah. nobody's going to want to come see me. Yep. It's like a fear thing too, which I've had to learn to be like, it's going to be okay. Like they're they're going to keep coming back. It's going to be all right. And if some people don't get helped, like I got a lot of that this year. Well, I tried to contact you. I tried this and I was like, I was really sick for a while and I was still working, but I was not capable of keeping up on the things that I normally would be able to. And I'm sorry like that you, I didn't get a chance to help you then, you know, but I'm here now. Like I had one lady, it was just like grinding me about it. This, And, and I was like, we're here now. So, and I'm, and I was like, I was, I was really sick. And she's like, oh, sorry. And I'm like, that's okay. I'm like, I'm sure it was frustrating, but there's only so much someone can do, you know? So it's not, it's not good to get sick to like take time off, but that's also like wake up calls too, you know? Yeah. And if you burn yourself out completely, then you can't help anybody. Yeah. Well, that's a fear of mine is that I love my job, so I don't want to not love it anymore or be good at it because I've like lost the spark, you know, and that spirit to like, to enjoy it and like love doing it and have the energy to do it, you know, and the ambition too. So that's kind of my new focus now that I, I have to take time off and, and back off and not feel guilty or, or feel bad because I can't help everybody. Cause it's not possible. There's to, always going to be more people is the challenge. It's not like you have a set amount of clients that you could help and then you're done. Yeah, no, I could work I could work 7 days a week if I wanted to and I could make a lot of money. But then what would I do with all that money? Nothing, cuz I would be working. And I don't have I'm you know, I'm not and I'm not, I'm a saver, but I'm also very frugal. So I just like to have decided like I don't need to work all the time to to buy things. I would rather have time than money. So it's like that time time versus money balance too, I think. Is it? That's the key. Mhm. I think the happiness is getting to a point where you can buy your time back. Yeah. And then just do what you want to do. Yeah. And you have to make choices over like certain things that you do and don't do if you, if you want more time, you know, it, it's also like, it's totally irrelevant if you're working all the time, you know, and making all this money, you don't have time to do anything fun. So what's the point, right? Yeah. You, then you just got these boatloads of money, but you can't do anything. Yeah. Like it. all these motivational speakers, right? They're like all powerful and have all this money, but. Are they happy or, you know, I don't know. Like a, I don't know. A happiness question is a hard one. It is. I'm, some people, maybe that's where they're happiest is, is working all the time. So that's okay too. There, there has to be somebody that wants to work all the time, right? We can't all be like part-time employees, although that would be kind of nice, you know? I mean, maybe we could, but I don't know. Some people just want to work all the time. That's okay. It's just not working for me, <laughs> per the doctor. <laughs> yeah, per the doctor who signed my hand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think in a way it's challenging with something in this format and kind of what you do because you can satisfy the social aspect as well as the work aspect. Mm -hmm. So instead of just working and then trying to maintain a social life and see your friends and do these things, they almost combine into one. They do actually. That's a good point. Yeah, which I see that all the time. Like, And that's been like where... Um, you know, through some of the stuff that I've been going through this year um, and, uh, you know, going through a divorce and all of that is is like uh, being around my clients and getting to have that kind of support, even if a lot of them don't know what's going on with me personally, because I don't want everybody to know. And I'm supposed to be like their, their leader and the teacher. So I don't want to be like, you know, 
but it at the same time like makes me a human being too just like them and i've found like being around the community and having all their support and being around all these dog people dog people are are pretty cool yeah and i love the fact that like last weekend i did a impromptu like class at the park just was like it was crazy raining like two weeks ago and i had a lot of older lady clients coming from like bridgeville and garberville and mckinleyville and I just put out the idea of moving to class to Saturday morning instead. And they're they like, yes, please. Because they don't want to drive at seven o'clock at night on a Wednesday. And I, I had like 15 people show up and we had the best time. And everybody was like, thank you so much. And you can see people are happy because they're learning, they're socializing, and they're like getting outside with their dog and their dog's learning to not be a jerk. And like they're getting these skills to hopefully move forward and like have a really happy relationship with their dog forever. And that's definitely, I see a lot of clients that they just keep coming and doing dog classes and they say that's a lot of it's for the social aspect and just like keeps them, keeps them out and about doing stuff, you know, it's like an organized paid socializing session. <laughs> you can't always find people to hang out with you, but you can like join a group class. That's probably why some people like doing like the CrossFit oh, 100%. You know, and all these different like group things, you know, cause you're around other people, you know, and it's like a. It's an organized situation, but you're still socializing. And it's hard to meet people as you get older. Yeah. Where do you, if, if you're not you going to, go to the, the bar. bar or, yeah, yeah. Which do you really want to meet a bunch of friends? Actually, I went out to the bar. I got a new tattoo the other day. Um, this guy, Rob Gribben, who um, I've known a long time. Um, he did this the other night. And so afterwards we went out for a beer at, at Dave's place. And I was like, cause I said, oh, can I have some sake while I'm here? And he's like, no, the, the owner has a no drinking policy in the, in the tattoo shop. And I was like, damn. And so he's like, he's like, we could go for a beer. I always go after work. And I was like, okay. But it was, so it was totally random because I normally would not go to Dave's place, but it was, it was fun to just hang out for a little bit and chat with people. But then I was like, all right, I gotta go. Yeah, all right. My time's expired. <laughs> yeah. It was getting a little like, you know, and I was like, I, I, it's like, it was a fun like hour at the bar, but I can't see myself ever just like hanging out and like talking and like shooting the shit with people at the bar all the time. Be a bar fly. Definitely not. <laughs> There is a canteen at the veterans building now, so that's pretty cool. I mean, I don't go and hang out in there all the time, but when it's when it's open, like after dog classes, I'll go in and like get a shot of Tito's after work, and <laughs> so that's kind of convenient. But I usually like get in and get out pretty fast, you know. Like, yeah, definitely not my scene at the bar. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, especially if you're going to down in Old Town, like the Seven O Seven or the Clam. There's an expiration Ooh, date. Yeah. Gotta it's going to get weird now. Yeah. yeah. See, weird and fast. I haven't been to any of those places in years. It's usually like for like some friend's birthday or something when you're being forced to go, you know? <laughs> so yeah, bar scene, not so much. And then, yeah, that's the whole thing too. Like you say, how do you meet people? Tinder, huh? Tinder. <laughs> that's funny stuff. Uh, <laughs> cut to you, cut to your Tinder profile. Right? Yeah, right. Oh, uh, that's scary. That's a scary. Yeah. Thing. It's a different time. Yeah, it is. It's a different time. Yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> uh, so should we talk dog nutrition? Yeah. Okay. So that's like my newest passion is uh, is talking about, since we've been talking about nutrition anyways, in general, it's like dog nutrition is something that um, I know you brought up when I got here and uh, I've been talking a lot of, uh, about it with my clients because people ask a lot of questions about what kind of dog food should I feed my dog and, and uh, you know, what what should I be looking for in it? Because they're starting to to hear a lot of these things that they should be hearing about the no grain diets in dogs. So like the no grain diet started, I don't know, I would want to say it at least 10 years ago, where you started seeing no grain diets in dogs. And a lot of that was because of the misconception that 
that dogs were allergic to the grain source, but it was more of that the grain source wasn't even really like a proper like nutritional grain. So you'll see things like peanut holes and like, you know, all kinds of other byproducts. Like peanut holes is literally taking like the shells of peanuts and grinding them up and putting them in. Oh, the husk? Yes. So that's what they're, that, that would be a, that would be a, a filler. You know, there's all these random fillers. And so I'll tell people when you look at your dog's like bag of food, don't look at the front that has like peas and carrots and a, and a, a lamb, you know, floating through the field. L- turn the bag over and look at the ingredients. Actually look at them. It's like the basic rule of thumb is what are the first three ingredients? They should be like real meat, not meal, you know, not byproduct meal um, and not something like there, there can be some random carb or something that's kind of unrecognizable. The first three ingredients, if it's a decent dog food, should be real food, meat generally. And so I say start there. But then people get so terrified. It's another like programming thing. Well, what do I, how do I know, what do I know to feed my dog? Because I'm not sure. It makes me nervous. It makes me scared. And so I'll say there's very few things that dogs like shouldn't have. If you break it down to like eating healthy food, they can have most vegetables. They can have a lot of fruits. Like there's a whole thing about no garlic, but I've, that's, that's kind of on the fence. My dogs don't get a lot of garlic, but I don't, I don't freak out about it. I, I think garlic's actually pretty good for most animals. I use it for the chickens to deworm them. Uh, and so, but onions aren't necessarily very good for dogs, but my dogs love sweet potatoes. Uh, they love squash. Squash is actually good. So like the vets, what they would say to people is uh, if their dog was having like GI problems, go get some canned pumpkin and give them that. And so that would be like an anecdote that vets would actually tell people to do. And I'm like, well, instead of a can of pumpkin with other products and sugar and stuff in it, why don't you get a squash or a pumpkin? It's really easy to cook, too. You cut it in half and you you put it in a in a casserole dish upside down and you put some water halfway up and cover it with tinfoil. And then 30 minutes later in the oven, you've got you've got cooked squash. I do like twice a week. I'll do oatmeal. Rice is good for dogs too. Oatmeal or rice. And then I'll add in like while it's boiling, I'll plop in a few eggs and then I'll put coconut oil in it. And then at the end I put in like, cause I don't want some, I don't want to go overboard too much with their food if my food is bougie. So, but it's still bougie. It's like the frozen organic uh, groceries. It's a perfect place to go to get food for your dogs. You can get decent real food. It's going to be better than dog food, period. Like a big thing of ground beef. You know, a couple of bags of oatmeal, some eggs, um, and like the frozen bags of vegetables. I get that because it's nice at the end when the oatmeal is really hot and the dogs are sitting there staring at me like ready for breakfast. I'll put a half a bag of that in and just like roll it in. And then 10 minutes later, it's ready to go. And I put it in a container and I have food for them for like four days. And I add kibble. For me, I call it a modified diet, which just means you're relying on a good high quality kibble because there are a lot of things that people do need to consider like calcium is one of the most important things obviously for a dog to have but there's there's definitely an importance to having a a a base not just randomly feeding your dog you know human food human food but you know what I mean so for me it's a nice crutch sometimes I'm really busy so the dogs get mostly kibble like this morning I was busy so it was kibble and like some cottage cheese on top they're perfectly happy with that um, but when people are worried about feeding their dogs something new, I just tell them it's just like whatever advice you get from the vet on switching their diet. Take like two weeks and just if you want to add something, like add like a spoonful of something and just see what happens. 
because some dogs don't settle well with with certain things. But and like my dogs, they have a they have a strong like stomach because they eat a variety of food. I saw so many dogs when I worked at the vet clinic coming in with GI problems all the time. They're like, well, he got into a piece of chicken, or oh, and they're so sensitive that they go into like a total spiral because they got a little bit of 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 you know actual fresh food. Like that was uh, that's when I kind of started going, oh, this is weird. And then back to the no grain thing, that's like basically protein percentages of cat food. And so I'll tell my clients all the time, your dog is an omnivore and not a carnivore. So when you're feeding your dog like carnivore percentages, like a cat um, of, of protein, they're starting to see heart problems. With, that correlate in young dogs, especially big dogs, like cardiomyopathy with getting too much protein and not being fed an omnivore diet. So I'll just tell people, if you want to do the no grain diet, because it's a good quality food, like I feed Fromm. It's not a really well-known brand, but that's a good thing. You know, it's F-R-O-M-M. It's like everything else. It's like $80 a bag now. So that was one of my reasons for being way more consistent with the modified diet. I can go to a grocery outlet and buy, you know, $20 worth of all the things I just listed. And that's probably two or three weeks worth of food. So then that bag of dog food is going to last me twice as long, like $80 for a 26 pound bag of dog food. But I'll still buy that and feed fresh food versus like feeding something lower grade. Like some of the foods are just not good at all. And there are, there are seeing a lot of studies now that dogs are dying way younger, not even making it to 10 years old from cancer. And personally, I had several dogs that had cancer and they, you know, eventually we all have to pass from something, but dogs used to live to be like 15 easily. It's extremely rare for a dog to live to be 15 anymore. And for the large breed dogs, like a lot of them aren't, aren't even making it till 10. And then you, and you wonder about all the other problems with their bodies, with their hips and their, you know, their bone growth and all those other things too. So I don't know. I just feel like like fresh is best and um, the dogs love it, like absolutely love it. And you were saying earlier about just adding water to the kibble. Some people that are like a little too like nervous about feeding their dog, you know, any human food, quote unquote, I'll just say, well, just add water to the kibble and they'll get they'll at least get more moisture that way and you'll you have less of the chugging i call it when they're a chugger because i'll just say my dog will go over and just like drink a whole bowl of water and i'll say is that like after they eat a bunch of kibble and they're like yeah like there's probably salt too like in your dog's dog food and they'll look and come back later and be like you were right so like yeah they're, they're trying to imagine like eating a whole sleeve of like saltines and like how that would sit in your stomach you know so I don't know. I'm definitely becoming more and more of a fan of the fresh food thing and like just educating people. I'm not trying to go against any advice that veterinarians give, but um, I worked with them for 20 years. So I have a lot of respect for veterinarians. But the thing is, is their job is specifically designed for certain things. And unless they're like an actual canine nutritionist, which I'm not. Um, yeah, I'm just somebody who's been doing it for a long time and have a, you know, years of experience with multiple dogs doing it. But vets are usually only given like a semester of nutrition in all their years of schooling. And I could be wrong about that. There might be some schools of medicine that are different, um, but it's generally not like a high priority in their schooling. And they also have the responsibility of just keeping clients on the straight and narrow when it comes to GI problems. So it's easier for them. And I think probably safer for them to be like, feed your dog this, nothing else. 
So you could see them not wanting to like, you know, they have 20, 30 minutes, kind of like if you go to the doctor, it's ridiculous nowadays. I went to the doctor so many times this year with this molar pregnancy thing that we'll, we can get into, but um, I, I'd get like five minutes in the room with the doctor and we'd be talking serious stuff, like getting hardcore medication that's like this type of medication called methotrexate that's a chemotherapy drug. And I'm like, you got five minutes to talk to me about the, something this serious? This is alarming. So I understand, like, the vets don't have time to be like, okay, so you're going to want to get some spinach and, you know, you're going to do this and this and oats. And so they don't necessarily have the time to educate. So I understand their side of things, too. But I think people should be a little bit more aware of what their animals are eating and not so reliant on the kibble. Like the basic rule there for sure is definitely just like look at the bag, like the actual ingredients in the bag and know what's in it. Don't look at the front of the bag because it's uh, very different um, than what might actually be in the food, you know. Where do those little tinned dog food cans rank on that scale? Uh, Better than kibble, worse? I don't, you know, they might. I don't know if they're better or worse. I do get like one case of this certain brand delivered once a month from Amazon. Like kind of out of convenience. It's a good, it's got like, it, like it looks like kind of generic, like little meaty chunks and like little chunks, but it's like got gravy in it and it's decent ingredients. I do use it like for stuffing Kongs. That's another one of my favorite things to recommend people do. So I th- we talked about this last time, but you know, I was like, we had our three hour. <laughs> so, you know, and I have so many new clients since last June. So, that whole FFA thing that I talked about before is something I try to teach all my clients, whether they're doing private lessons or group classes. So food is the first one. So I'll talk about what are you feeding them and be aware of it, but also how are you feeding your dog? So that, that goes straight into not just nutrition, but um, keeping their mind busy. So feeding them like slow feeding process is good for uh, boredom for separation anxiety. So separation anxiety is one of the worst things you could have for a dog. It's really hard to fix once it's there. It can just get worse and worse. Uh, We had a dog years ago, Spike, who had it, and it was all because we did everything wrong. We let him out of the crate too young, and we left him home for long periods of time during the day, and he got anxious. And when we came home and saw that he destroyed our stuff, we would get mad and scold him. And it just... Happened again and again, you know, every day until I finally was just like, okay, I need to stop feeling guilty about crating him because it's what he needs to be in a crate, not running around the house being panicked. Uh, And I'll tell people when your dog has less space to travel, they're forced to sit with their anxiety. And it's like us too. Like a lot of times people that are anxious are constantly moving. It's hard to sit with your anxiety and just like deal with it but if you if you kind of have to force a dog to otherwise yeah if they get into destroying your house and eating your couch and all kinds of crazy stuff like that like that's not good and scolding them doesn't work so if you if you take the food bowl away this is a a good example of a person that's really good advice online for people that are always looking online for dog trainers dr ian dunbar he's a much older guy but he's a vet a behaviorist and a dog trainer. He has a, a um, dog training business down in the Bay Area called Serious Pup. And as I think his son and maybe even a daughter are working along with him now because he's in his 70s now. But his rule of thumb, just straight up, and I'll tell people that, and they're always like, ooh. I was like, dogs shouldn't even have a food bowl for the first year of their life. Just don't even get them one. And people are always like, I don't know if I could do that. And I'm like, I know, but it don't free feed them, period. Just don't do that. I, don't, I think that's a really bad idea. If you have an only child, 
slash, you know, dog, I could see how people could let their dog graze and they'll say, oh, he only eats once a day. And I'm like, yeah, but does the food like sit down all day? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, are you watching them all day? No. I'm like, they're, they're grazing. And so some people, it may not be a big deal for them, but for people that have dogs with behavior problems, it's a, it's a really big deal. So when someone comes to me for advice on what to do, their dog's like digging and barking or being destructive or anxious, I'll say, well, how are you feeding them? So twice a day is kind of my like basic delineator, breakfast and dinner, keep it consistent. Doesn't have to be exactly the same time, but like tonight my dogs will probably be pissed when I get home because they're just eating at like four, but that's okay. Like they had some chicken at lunch with me, um, but they get two meals a day. Throw in a little bit of discipline, like make them get out of the kitchen and lay down and stay. It's literally like all you have to do to make them be mindful and aware when you're about to feed them, you know, to be respectful. And then if you have dogs that are like high drive dogs, people that get hunting breed dogs or herding dogs or dogs that are just looking for trouble around the house, you know, or bugging their kids or other pets, give them food and something that's going to take them like half an hour to eat it. I saw this thing recently. It was by a veterinarian and it was just a simple little thing. They said, you don't have to buy a bunch of fancy toys, which people love to do that anyways. But there's like snuffle mats now, which are funny. These things that have like all these little, um, like feathery little um, pieces of fleece and you tuck kibble in to all the little all the little pieces so your dog has to like roll around and like try to pick each piece of kibble out. I said, if you wouldn't want to spend any money, go and toss your dog's kibble out on the lawn <laughs> if you want to complain about, you know, spending money. And so uh, there's that. And then this the veterinarian said, you know, 20 minutes of foraging type eating, which is any of those things like Kong, snuffle mat, toys that you can like stuff the kibble into all these little ridges and pieces. This vet did like a towel thing and just took a, a, a dish towel. I could see some dogs this going really wrong with, but this was a sweet little like middle-aged dog and they put kibbles in it and rolled it and then they did it the opposite way and then they did one more like that and then they tied it in a knot. Like not super hard, but just then they just like did a fast forward version of the dog eating it. And oh, and it took the dog about 25 minutes. And then they it, they did a version of what the dog did after date. And the dog went and laid down, went to sleep. So that's a big thing for people. If they're looking for like one thing to change for a dog that has problems, t put the food bowl away and, and feed them differently. Back to the canned food thing. So I go on these like tangents. <laughs> Is like uh, I get the canned food and I'll put that at the bottom of the Kong to stuff up the hole and then I'll put kibble in it and then I'll put more canned food on top. And that's like for them, that's like dog heaven. And if I want my dogs to just have something to do when I leave or if I feel like I haven't given them enough attention or it's raining, that's a big one, especially for puppies that are active and they're driving their owner crazy. I'll say, just feed them like this at least once a day. I think some of my clients listen to me and take my advice. That's the problem sometimes, but it does make a big difference. So I think food's a big one. Then the other one's a freedom. And that's just how you, how you give your dog freedom if it's too much or not enough. And so freedom's like, well, some in some cases, it's not a big deal. Some it is like, where does your dog sleep at night? And people always like cringe. And I'm like, don't necessarily think that it's a problem with me because I have two little snoring Boston Terriers under the covers every night with me. But they're, they don't have behavior problems. They're, you know, they're pretty stable-minded dogs. And it's like, but if I remember this client years ago, she was a single lady the two-year-old intact male Rottweiler, and she got a new boyfriend. 
that dog needed to not sleep on the bed anymore because every time the boyfriend would come in and walk down the hallway, the dog would growl at him and try to chase him out of the bedroom. Like in your situation, that's a problem. Like your Roddy shouldn't be on the bed like when you have a new boyfriend because that's that's obviously going to be a serious problem for that particular situation. But freedom too is people like in certain areas of Humboldt County, especially when I was traveling a lot more in the beginning of the business, I would see these major problems. So it's just an easier way for me to figure out where the problems are because sometimes an hour and a half with somebody, you're listening to all the stuff they're saying. And I'm just like, I need like a, my brain is overloaded. Let's talk about food, freedom, and affection. And these will give me like simple ways to see where the problems are. So that's kind of how I brought it up. Freedom with people that live rurally was just the dogs running around all the time. Oh, we go on walks, but we don't need a leash. Like, well, why not? Well, because we live on 20 acres. We walk, but he's in 20, 30 feet ahead of me. That's a walk, but you're not enforcing the dog to listen to you. And I don't want to say like enforcing, but if you're making the dog heal and listen and you're saying easy and heal and having them sit and do that, it's that's brain work, not just exercise. Like the analogy I use of like, well, if you could send your dog to the gym every day for an hour and they're just going to become more physically fit. You know, if you throw the dog on the treadmill for an hour every day, guess what? After a month, they're going to need two hours of treadmill every day. And three, they're going to take a quick nap and they're going to be ready to roll again because all you did was exercise them from the neck down. And that's it. So the freedom thing, I think people need that more like slow, methodical walk. I had this that that class I talked about with the puppies and everybody was like their puppies are flying around all over the place and I said well this is like your first walking class so let's keep it simple in the beginning I just had them pick a side of their body and so I said keep the dog there and so some of the people their dog would immediately pull and they'd grab with the other hand and they'd be having them all I said keep the dog there so I, I just had people walk out and back and out and back and out and back and they're like well this is really boring and I'm like that's the point and then until your dog listens to you, like just go slow and walk back and forth. Sometimes like teaching leash manners isn't very fun, but they're never going to learn it if you let them pull you. See, I'll have people leave consults all the time and they'll be all skeptical of my technique and this whole like, you know, not letting them sniff everything. Well, I thought walks for, were just for them. And I'm like, no, they're for you too. And And if your dog is having problems, they should be they should be mentally stimulated. They should be asked to to be disciplined on the walk. They always like come back and say after the training session, or after like a week of doing this certain technique, they're like, you were totally right. My dog was exhausted. And it, it's it's exhausting the brain. That's, it makes a really, really big difference. Um, so that's like my big lectures on food and freedom. Like you're better off having a dog that's you, you if you need to, you use a crate wisely not you know you know the rule of thumb is like maybe maybe a few hours a couple times a day if you work a lot but never like six to eight hours at a time at night is different i think every puppy should be crate trained i think that's a skill that in the future like you'll always have a dog that can go in a crate so now like if i travel daisy my big punk i love her but she's the rescue pit bull that i got that she'll always have issues she's almost 10 but if I travel with her and I need to stay with somebody and she, I take the crate and she hops right in. She hasn't been in a crate 
in over a year, but when she sees a crate, she'll hop in it readily. So creating a puppy is important. It's like just like a, a life skill to teach them. It's like you wouldn't like have a baby and then not like have them be in a crib. You're like, ah, oh, they'll figure it out. Let them crawl around the house, you know, and just yeah, we'll see what happens. So the crate training thing is, I think is imperative too. Some people that don't do it, they definitely regret it. They end up having to go do it later. And then it's a lot harder to do. All of my dogs have been crate trained. So I think that's important too. You're better off with less freedom than more, I guess is the point. And like how you dole it out. Freedom, like going to the dog park or running on the beach and things like that should be like your once or twice a week fun, fun zone thing, like for the dog to just have a great time. But they're better off going on disciplined walks. Like one thing I started doing this past month, just like helping with stress relief and like stress relief for my dogs too has been... um has been taking them on walks in the neighborhood. I, I stopped walking in the neighborhood for years. I would like take them because we did so many dog classes and or I take them to the barn. Now the barn is like a muddy mess. And so I have not been taken in there because so then I'll just have muddy dogs, you know? So I've been learning how to, to have them all three walk and not make me look like a jerk walking through my neighborhood. That's probably part of it. It was like, I'm like, I got to look like I know what I'm doing if I'm the dog trader in town. Yeah, if somebody catches a video and your dogs are going crazy. Yeah, and I'm yelling at them. I mean, they might catch me yelling at them every now and then. But if you're holding all these dogs in your hands too, like sometimes I have to use my feet, you know, to to organize them on one side or another. And it it's just practice. Like when we first started practicing, they've all walked together before, but not consistently, like every other day at least now. So now it's like, I feel like so good when I walk them. Cause when we're walking, they're just moving and we're just trucking. We can do like four miles easily around town. And it, it feels so good to just walk and get exercise and not have your dog like pulling and yanking and hurting you. Cause I have a really bad neck. And like my shoulder gets all messed up all the time from that. I just did this like nerve test the other day and I have like mild carpal tunnel in my left arm. And I'm like, oh, that's from dogs because I'm almost always holding onto the leash in the left hand. But yeah, I'll use those halties like a gentle leader a lot with dogs too. And like with my clients that have these huge dogs, especially older, like fragile women, they're miserable and a lot of times people will stop walking their dog or they'll go to that off-leash stuff because they're like, I can't do it. So the head collar thing, have you ever seen those? I'm sure you've seen like uh, people walking around. It looks like a little horsey halter on their face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people still don't know what they are, but they're really common in my classes. I'd rather have a person like use that than a pinch collar. Um, pinch collars are, you know, if, if I've had a, a small number of clients that we're adamant about using it and they use them very responsibly. They should be very snug around the dog's neck and you should be giving small corrections. Pinch collar is just the standard Yeah, it's collar. like, well, you know, like the ones with the like prongs all the way around it. It's a big metal collar and it's literally prongs all the way around the entire dog's neck. So to me, it, like, it looks so archaic and barbaric. I'm just like, I had one experience using one years and years ago that was a plastic version that looked like a lot less, but it still had... It still had points all the way around, but it was this dog that we had for a while named Skip, and he was he was a, he was a lot. He was something was not right with Skippy. Got him at Winco, like someone picked him up from Winco. He had a broken leg, and he was obviously abused. And I think he was Pitbull and Bull Terrier, which is a hell of a combo. 
And uh, Skippy was like a lot to deal with. So I went to this pit bull convention. Bad Rap is like this pit bull rescue organization, the Barry, and I wanted to go to this thing. So I was huge into pit bull rescue. I worked for Shannon Miranda volunteering for like three years. And so I handled a lot of the pit bulls there and trying to get them responsibly adopted out. And so that was one of their suggestions. I was like, I'll try it. And I walked out the door with Skip for the first time. He was fine on it until he saw the neighbor's dog. And he lunged forward and he hit that thing really quick and he he yiped and then he looked at the dog and went nuts. And I just like had this light bulb moment and just turned around and went back in the house and took it off. Like for me, it was a light bulb moment and not every dog's like that, but for reactivity or dog aggression, I saw right away, it was like, that just made him like yipe and then associate it with another dog. So it was a fast, like really fast realization for me that they weren't for me and I don't recommend them for for people. A lot of people don't want to have a, a, a head collar on their dog either. So I understand it's like freedom of choice. <laughs> but um, the head collar is, is like for me being a horse lady. I, it just makes sense to me. It's like put halters on horses all the time. You know, why not put one on your giant dog? I have this lady client whose puppy is like four and a half months old and he's humongous already. And so she finally got one. He just he hasn't even started kindergarten yet and he's already like 65 pounds. And so she got one of the last class I did and she was like, this is amazing. She's like, he doesn't like it, but I love it. And that's always kind of the thing is the dogs, they don't like them. There's a lot of people that talk bad about them because they'll say like the dogs have so many nerve and dings in their noses and that people can damage their necks and things like that so i just try to educate people like it's they're not for you to yank and yank your dog's head around they're for gentle pulling you know and redirecting their face it's like where the head goes the rest has to follow obviously you know so it's kind of it's a good tool like it's definitely something that a lot of clients end up using for a while until they get their dogs under control so that's a good thing to have like equipment wise sometimes is just really important. Harnesses are one of my f least favorite things. So many people have their dogs in harnesses and I like the front clip ones. They're they're to the front clip, but I usually say like nothing over 30 pounds because like once they're, you know, 30 pounds a dog, you're still like hoisting all the weight of their their whole body and their chest back versus just turning their head a little bit. So yep, a lot of people that it, they'll be resistant. I think now what I see is all these the word the word bougie again. These fancy pantsy harnesses and all these cool harnesses that people get, and they come to class and they're all stoked and their dogs like strutting in with this blinged out. Yep, and I'm always like, no. And they're like, but why not? I'm like, because it's not going to work for, for pulling. It's not going to be a good idea for pulling. So a lot of people end up converting after weeks of suffering and finally listening. Finally to, waking up. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I I relate it, my newest thing now is relating it to, it works especially well for horse people. I just say, hey, it's like having different bits for a horse or like a horse that needs spurs to get up and go versus one, you know, a lazy horse. Or if you have like a horse that little kids ride and their little legs are up so high and that horse is like an old nanny kind of horse, the horse is going to ignore the kid's attempts to, to kick. And it's not like you're putting spurs on the kid to hurt the horse. It's just going to give the horse a little bit of an extra nudge to go. And like horses should be growing out of certain bits and, and moving up and onward and getting something with a little bit more pressure or a little bit more length to it versus like a snaffle bit that's for, you know, beginning horses where you're just teaching them the basics and you want to keep it really simple and gentle. So it's kind of like in my puppy classes, I just say in preschool, just bring them in a regular collar. 
You don't need to make it anything fancy. But then when they get to kindergarten, like little devils, I'm like, it's time for you to like step up your game. But yeah, I've started using that analogy. I just come up with random stuff, like have these like little light bulb moments. I'm like, kind of like that with horses and the horse people always like, okay, totally. Yeah. So yeah, analogies help people. Right. was something I wanted to talk about was like, excuse me, learning how to finesse people. Uh, Like when you have a room full of, I had a a really interesting group of people in one of my last classes. They were all very different. And and sometimes when you have like a room full of really uh, upbeat, like positive, like fun, happy people, but then there's like one or two people in the room that are not having a good time and they've got like the stink eye and the grump look on their face. I'm always like, I'm put more focus and energy like mentally into keeping an eye on them. And I've had to like teach myself how to, how to work with them instead of like, you know, getting frustrated with the situation or even just putting energy into it. Like sometimes um, I just like to finesse and like kill, kill it with kindness. And that's like the best part of the job is you're not just there for the dogs. That's actually the people that are harder to work with than the dogs. It'd be great if I just had everyone drop off their dogs. It'd be so easy. Like I get these jobs. I have a couple dogs right now. One's in Fortuna. Her name's Buffy. She's so cute. And she's like a doodle, burn a doodle. Lots of doodles out there nowadays. That's the popular breed right now. Yeah. They're like, you know, they're, they're combos and Buffy's got really, 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 um, elderly owners and and the the mom the the wife she's very very fragile and so they hired me to basically like she asked me if if i knew any dog walkers and i just said i don't really know any any that are reliable that i know personally that would maybe be able to come to your area but you might consider me on like a little bit more of an investment but you know i think eventually what would happen in that case is that you would have me training this dog to walk for you instead of um just going for a walk and so they've had me they live like half a block away. So I like put in my headphones and go pick up Buffy and she's so nice to walk. It's a real pleasure. So that for me is like, it's, I'm, I'm almost like, I really like being paid to do this right now. I almost feel selfish where I know a lot of dog trainers, they do like the board and trains and those things where they specifically work with the dogs only. Working with the people and the dogs at the same time can sometimes be like painstaking, but it's the ticket. That's like what you should be doing. Like that's kind of where the money's not necessarily always there. Like you could do board and train business and people that are desperate, they'll throw down like five grand to drop their dog off somewhere with the promise of a, of a better dog in a month. But then, and there's also like, there's things lined up afterwards. Like if the places are usually not in Humboldt County, they'll do zoom meetings and they'll do this. So they'll come back down to train the dog and learn how to do all the things. But a lot of times it falls through at, you know, afterwards. And the problem with dogs is just like any other animal, as soon as they go back into the other environment or in the in the hands of the novice, they revert right back. There could probably be a number of things that I'm sure like a board and train trainer could argue with me that no, for sure we can change this behavior. And I'm sure that they can, but it's just not really my thing. You know, I'd rather like the, the hard road is like, <laughs> I think is always Usually the hard road is the is the right road. And it is a lot harder to like wrangle a bunch of people and dogs at the same time. And then also to finesse the people that come to you for help, but they don't necessarily like, they're not receiving it that well. So it's kind of refreshing after I was like, gosh, 
I don't want to say it's been a long time since I started this uh, uh, to be able to not take things personal anymore or to be bothered or intimidated. It, for me, when I was in my 20s, it was really hard to work with men, grumpy men or men that just were like, like having a hard time dealing with the dog and not being receptive to me. So I, sometimes I would just not know how to deal with them. So I would give them less energy. Now I like make it a point to like figure out how to communicate with them properly, you know, and in just the way that the approach is makes people totally different. Like certain, certain people, they're just like, they're in a bad mood, you know, and they're just like, they're annoyed with the whole situation. So start the, start things out with a compliment or, you know, just this, or some people, I just keep it real with them. I'm like, what's going on today? Like, what's up with you? And they're just like, huh? <laughs> so yeah, the finessing is, is a, it's an art skill. Like that I'm always going to be getting better at, like dealing with the people. The dogs are easier. Well, people are 90% of it. But the magic in that is that you're, you're helping these people because this is probably not going to be their first or their last dog. Yeah. And you're giving them the skills so that they can translate that down the road. Yeah. And it's not, oh man, I've got this problem dog. We fixed it. But then 15 years later, I got this other problem dog and now I'm back to square yeah, one. You're educating them for a lifetime. Yeah. It's an investment for them. And that's how you talk about the early investment is that I just constantly would warn people that if you get a puppy, start training it immediately. Like immediately, like the day you bring it home, carry it into the pet store, you know, take it for car rides. Um, you don't have to put it down on the ground and expose it to Parvo to train it. You know, start with simple basics. Do a puppy preschool class. There's a little like January 3rd at 6 p.m. Little subtle plug. The first 2024 class will be puppy preschool. Um, that's my favorite class for so many reasons because I know that the dogs that go in that class, they will be changed no matter what, even if it's not like a profound change. But I've seen so many dogs, kind of like the one I talked about earlier. It's like a, it's a night and day. And it's cool because those people usually at first are like frustrated or they're a little bummed. Like I can see they're like, they're seeing all these other like happy dogs running around. They're like, great. Like I got the dog like growling in the corner or shaking under my chair. But then at the end when their dog's playing and stuff, like everybody's going over and like being like, your dog is doing so amazing. And they're like feeling really good about it, you know, cause they didn't give up and they started so young. There's something that a lot of people don't understand. That's why veterinarians should be giving them and hopefully a lot of them are i mean i know most of the vets that i used to work for i know that they always recommend me they kind of like know that they can put faith in like what i'm doing and be like go to jana okay go go to her for this stuff now and and start the early socialization like with an indoor class so a lot of people say well i'm not going to do a dog class till they're fully vaccinated but i go to great lengths to make sure the classroom's safe for them and I, I organize that with like the vets that I used to work for. So we do like a no puppies orientation. Most people don't even know what parvovirus is. That's my number one concern because parvoviruses can be lethal. And I've, knock on wood, never had it in a dog class. But it, part of that is like they all have to come. It has a it has up to a seven day incubation period from like when they contract it to when they show signs. So I make sure the orientation's like, you know, seven days before. And I don't let people generally add in like last minute or anything like that. It's like you know, your dog needs to be with you in your home for at least seven days after you ad have adopted it from a shelter or took it home from a breeder. And then I educate them about Parvo. And then uh, it's a dog to dog specific virus. So I always like, oh, say, I'm just surprised sometimes, but I shouldn't be like how little people know. That's why they're coming to me. Like I had somebody be like, well, could a bird like 
drop it like in their poop from the sky into my backyard. And I was like, oh, I was like, no, <laughs> they can't. Um, but yeah, why not ask that question if you don't know? So that's good. It, it reminds me that like, this is my job. I'm going to have to be thorough and make sure that they're well-educated. And so I give them all their rules and regulations and I do the whole like, you're all here for a reason. And if any of you are breaking the rules, taking your dog to the dog park or to the beach or, you know, taking them on walks in the dirt and in public places, you're risking everybody else's puppy here. So it's always worked. And then everybody comes the next week and we have four weeks in a row of the dogs getting like at least 50% of on-leash training and learning how to socialize on-leash. Because if you just do like play groups and off-leash play, then it's all just play. I get a lot of clients at dogs a year old that spent most of their time at the dog park and doggy daycare because they're maximizing playtime. Their dog's going nuts when they see another dog and they're lunging and pulling on the leash and they look like they're aggressive, but they're just throwing a hissy fit because they're not, they're not used, they've never been taught how to coexist with their dogs on a leash. So I make sure that in all my classes that everybody's like able to start mastering like the art of teaching your dog to sit and look at you and saying, okay, before they get to greet another dog. I'll get these people in the puppy classes. They're so excited to see each other. They let their dogs, like they drag them, they drag them up to other dogs to greet them. But if you do that with an older grumpy dog, like Daisy, you know, people will do that when people with puppies come to some of my walking classes that Daisy's used to doing. I'm like, nope. It, because they'll still be coming right up. I'm like, they're going to get snapped at. And they're like, oh. And I think they just assume that because she's my dog that she's going to be perfectly well-trained. But not all dogs are into that. You know, not all dogs want to be approached by other dogs. And it's like you can't make every dog be social. So I think teaching them etiquette, like how to greet. It's not like if like a stranger walked up to you and was like, hey, and tried to hug you. Yeah. You'd be like, dude, back off. That's one of those challenges is it's almost socially acceptable to go up to somebody's dog and say, oh, can I pet your dog as you're trying to pet their dog or yeah. have their dog sniff your dog? Like, okay. Yeah, they're like adamant about it. Like it needs to happen. Yeah. Oh, my dog's nice. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, I love the off-leash dog barreling down on you as you're as they're saying that. And that was one of the reasons, honestly, why I, I don't always like walking in the neighborhood because you can run into those issues really easily when people aren't paying attention. The other day I had like this little chihuahua come flying out at us and I've got three dogs. Like my first objective is like just get Daisy behind me because she'd be the one that would probably do something stupid. The Bostons are just barking and like they'll be fine. But the people were very apologetic. But you do have to be a little on guard sometimes when dogs come running at you. If you have a friendly dog, my suggestion, because people ask that all the time and they get really stressed out. Some people get, they actually have like some form of PTSD or the dog does too because they were actually attacked. A lot of dogs have been attacked by other dogs, like um, when they're on walks. So the owner will freak out. So then the dog freaks out. And the dog's like, why is this such a big deal? So I've had many clients that have had to just like literally just try to train them how to be calm. If your dog's friendly and the dog coming towards you is like wagging their tail, just like relax your leash a little bit and just tell them it's okay. But like for some people, that's really hard to do. And so, yeah, if it was just the Bostons, I would have just been like, fine. But I know that Daisy is capable of biting in the heat of the moment. So for her, I'm just like, nope. And it's nice. She has one of those gentle leaders on so I can control her head. That's why I like those for big dogs and dogs that you need to control their mouth for safety sometimes. So, yeah, but 
Puppies need to get out there and do stuff ASAP. I have this really cool thing called the Perfect Puppy Planner. And my old boss, um, Dr. Ozanian, he got it from a conference he did at UC Davis. There was a dog behaviorist. And it has like a week by week all the things you should be doing with your puppy. So I give it to people. And it's a checklist of all kinds of stuff like um, putting your dog on the counter, you know, exposing them to loud sounds and noises, like even things like the lawnmower or, you know, sitting out front with them in your arms or in a chair, like while traffic goes by. All these random things people don't think about until they have a dog that's like has sound phobia or is terrified to walk down the street when cars go by and things like that. So it's not only socialization, it's exposure and desensitizing too. I remember when I got Levi, that's the youngest Boston. Uh, he was a He was a big wuss. And so I get him home and I'm just like, I took him to the pet store for the first time, like two days after we got him. And he was terrified. There, Nothing was going on. He was just in a pet store. And you'd think like your puppy would be all excited. He was not excited at all. He didn't he totally shut down. Just overly stimulated. Yeah, he was shaking. We call him leaf, shaking like a leaf. And he just, he wouldn't take a treat. He didn't want to be petted by anybody. And so I just, I just carried him around the the you know the the place until he his shaking stopped and then i left and then we went back the next day and we went back the next day and by the th- fourth day he was sitting on the counter taking treats from the lady at the pet store at main street feed in fortuna they're great there it's a smaller store but it's actually perfect because i'll take dogs in there all the time and i have to teach them like how to navigate through the store with all the like bully sticks and pig ears like sticking out of the shelves and teach them how to leave it and they're always so great and tractor supply in fortuna is really good about that too you can take the dogs in and they'll give them a treat and they'll pet them and stuff like that so Pet stores are really good places to take your puppy because they're going to love that stuff, obviously. There's so many places you can get away with taking a puppy. Ace is really good about that. Like, I've seen so many people with, if it's a cute, adorable little puppy, you could totally rock. You can get by. You can rock them through Safeway in your basket. No one's going to say anything. I mean, if you have a big, aggressive dog, I don't think that's going to happen. But I just like tell people, do as much as you possibly can. And meeting and greeting other pets, other animals, things like that. Like, so that's all all the most important things I think about puppies is if you're gonna get a puppy, like we talked about this last time, the difference between puppies and rescue dogs. Rescue dogs are just older dogs that were once puppies that somebody made happen or accidentally were procreated and then became a, a rescue dog because somebody couldn't handle them. And it's usually because they weren't raised properly, got out of hand, you know, or in some people, the big issue is choosing the wrong breed or breed type. Like even if it's a mixed breed dog, if you're fragile and you're elderly, don't get a huge dog because you want a big dog. It's that like, oh, I've always wanted a German shepherd or that, you know, it's like pick the pick a dog that's going to complement your life. Uh, and make you and them happier because you could have a pretty miserable time with your dog and that's a long time to be together and it's be pretty heartbreaking I've never done it but actually I won't say that um first experience getting a pit bull um, my friend had down in Sacramento she had had the dog around the cats at her place but um when we brought her home and the environment changed and I think she settled in she tried to kill our cats And it was obvious that she wanted to kill a cat, not just chase a cat. And so it was horrible. We tried for three weeks to to just try to get it worked out. She was great with our other dogs. 
but we had to send her back down to my friend and she ultimately had to send her back to the shelter. It was horrible. It was like a total fail of like our first pit bull rescue. And it was so heartbreaking and we didn't even barely know the dog, but that's a reason to not take on a rescue dog. And sometimes it doesn't work out if they're going to hurt or kill your other pets. That's definitely not a good fit. Um, but that's a sad thing about rescue dogs is that they're, they're a product of, of overbreeding of irresponsible breeding of like when people get sentimental that I've got a great dog, you know, and I want to, I want to, I want puppies. I just tell people like, if my clients talk to me about it, I just say, you can do whatever you want, but just remember though, that if that dog makes 10 puppies, you have to find 10 people like you that are going to take care of them, that are going to take care of that dog for 10 years on average. So you just have to make sure that that's something that, you know, you're going to be able to do. And I made some mistakes earlier on too. Like when I was a teenager, we had an Australian shepherd and um, we bred her and we bred her knowingly to a certain color type that you normally shouldn't because you can throw like deaf dogs. And she she threw a, a deaf puppy and it wasn't a horrible thing. We found the right owner for the puppy, but we did it even though we knew it was a risk. And so it was the only time I ever did anything like that. I was too young to really fully like grasp it at the time, but it stuck with me after it happened. I felt really bad because like we knew going into this, this was possible. And now, you know, we have a dog that's deaf. Um, and again, found a great home, but these are all the things that people should consider are happening. I'm seeing a lot of dogs that get overbred here in the county starting to have very specific like uh uh, very very specific issues. It's like French bulldogs are very, very popular right now in Humboldt. They have been for a while. And crazy expensive. Crazy expensive. Well, pit bulls were too. And like the blue pit bull, that was like in the back of every truck. That was another wave. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And they, blue is not an original color of the breed. It never was with pit bulls. So when you breed in that color, what you saw, what I saw at the vet clinic working there, tons of skin issues, skin problems, like crazy. So then like with French Bulldogs, I'm just seeing like some of the earlier stages of it, but I'm seeing a lot of skin issues and aggression. So if you continue to breed certain dogs, you're going to keep getting the same traits and you're probably going to magnify them. They're going to get worse and worse. So I, I say like, cause I go down both roads. I love to rescue animals. I have a new cat who's a year old Ragnar. He's something else. He's well-named, um, but he's a wild maniac. But for me, I would, I, I'm past the point of wanting to buy a purebred cat. I did that before in my earlier ages. There's so many great, amazing cats out there. So many cats. I actually found him when I was down taking care of my mom. So one of the times that I went down, she lives about seven hours away. So I went down a few times. Ooh, I got a cramp. A few times, um, the not this year, but last year. And uh, part of my stress relief was going into the pet store every day and looking at all the adoptable kittens. And I was like determined to bring one home. So finally on the last day, I don't know, I was just, I was like nervous about it. I, was, Man, I don't know, not quite like, not quite having it. I'm not sure. But then the last day I saw Ragnar and he had like a white paw and he stuck his little paw out. The thing was like flirting with me. And I was like, that's one. Um, but yeah, rescue animals are, are you know, Sometimes with dogs specifically, they can come with a lot of baggage, but puppies 
you can create their baggage if you're not prepared to prevent it and work through the problems as as they grow. Uh, and people come to classes all the time. We're like, he seemed great last week. And now he's being a little devil this week. I'm like, that's because they age rapidly. You say like the first year of your dog's life is almost like 16 years in a kid. It's a, it's a rapid growing and changing. And then you, you take them to preschool and you give them confidence and then you have to deal with their confidence and like rein that in. So there's always like growing pains when it comes to stuff like that. But, um, I think people should just consider, I'd say my advice would be check out the shelters before. I've found some real amazing dogs, um, you know, through the the shelter system, especially when I was at Miranda's Rescue all the time. This is a little hard, but some real gems, some really amazing dogs just waiting for the right home. You do have to be pre prepared for some of their baggage. Um, but a lot of that can be anxiety and insecurity and stuff like that that can all be dealt with. Um, I'll call it the honeymoon phase with rescue dogs when people are like, he's great for the first few months, but then all of a sudden these things started popping out. I think that could just be like natural getting used to their new life and coming down off of the, like the, 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 the high and the stress of being in a shelter and being in a shelter environment. It's like, you know, they're in a shelter for reasons. Shelters are wonderful places, but it's just, it's, just, it's dog prison for the dog doesn't mean that they're not doing the best they can. And those places are amazing and essential and wonderful. But that's how it is for the dog. Constant barking. Think about the cortisol stress levels and all the smells and the pee and the poop and not getting enough affection and attention, having scared and aggressive dogs right next to you, you know, being in concrete, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then moving into someone's home and what a lot of people do is they lavish the dog with too much affection that ffa theory and so they are like i just want to love this dog back and then all of a sudden like too much affection can create imbalances in the dog too so then i'll have to work with that person and be like look your dog's craving discipline now and you can't just love them better there it's not going to work if you just try to love them back you know to being a better dog they actually like ki like kids you can't just love them like talking about bratty yeah, that kids. doesn't that doesn't turn out well no it doesn't so it's kind of the same thing with dogs they're kind of like little kids really and they're obviously different but the the approach to how you like raise them and stuff like that is is a uh, very similar. I have a lot of parents that say that to me. They're like, this is like, just like my toddler. I'm like, yep. Especially the positive reinforcement thing. I try to teach people to like, maybe don't like directly tackle the issue, like skirt around it, doing these types of things. They're like, it's like, that's like talking to a toddler. Like you can't just be like, no, you can't. It's like, sometimes there's a bit of a negotiation process. <laughs> so it's definitely like a, a finesse to teaching people how to deal with their dogs and they're all so different and if you have like a, a purebred dog if you really want to get a purebred dog i say don't do it on a whim really take the time and you'll probably find if a dog breeder is really really good they're going to interview you more than you are them and they're probably not going to just have a puppy right then um so like the lady we got the boston's from she breeds mostly to like preserve the heritage of the breed, the Boston Terrier breed. So everything she does is like impeccable to, you know, what this sh breed should be like. Like Levi, we ended up getting him because uh, he was just slightly off in a couple areas, which I was amazed. Like she said, his eyes are too almond shaped 
And one of his f feet was like just slightly too long. And I was like, wow, okay. And I we, we paid a pretty penny for him. But for me, if it's a really good dog breeder, you're, they're not making a lot of money because they're not, they're not rifling out tons of dogs every year. They might have one or two litters a year. And then they should be generally or maybe breeding a dog three, four times in their lifetime. And then they retire him. So three, four, that's all. Wow. Maybe five, like if the dog's really good. But if you have to consider certain breeds, especially like Boston's and Frenchies, they almost always have to have C-section. So that's not good for a dog to be bred every year and be constantly having to have C-sections and stuff too. It takes a lot out of the dog too. You know, it's like they don't live as long as us and imagine them having that many litters of puppies. It's It takes a lot out of their out of their body. So, so yeah, those would be things I would look for if you like really wanted to to have a purebred dog and feel good about what you're investing in. And do your research first. And I'm always amazed, like, how much people Google stuff. But please Google, like, Border Collie. And all the Border Collie experts would thank me for that. Because a lot of the people that I see, I'm just like, why did you do this? Because the dog is, you know, spinning circles around this person that's a sedentary owner. I'm like, you should have got an English bulldog. Because it would have just been chilling next to you on the Sitting couch. On the yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Watching TV. The picking yep. your breed. Is just completely overlooked. It is. It's, oh, I like the way this dog looks. Yep. So this is the dog I'm going to get. It really is. Yeah. And it's not everybody, but it's a, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. I'm, I'm scratching my head a lot of times going, how did this, how did this happen? You know, like this is in it. And it was definitely because I've always wanted one. I've always wanted a husky. Are they picture? Oh yeah. And I, I don't get a lot of huskies in classes, but like the people that have been successful with them and like other high energy dogs they're very high energy people they're always out doing stuff and they're they're disciplined with the dog as well so yeah it, you got to keep up with the energy uh and be able to to you know deal with that and you also have to be willing to put up with some like breed specific traits that you're maybe will never train out of the dog it's like me accepting the fact that daisy is always going to be a semi-dangerous dog till her last day she'll probably be like all 15 and still like snappy and itchy <laughs> just because it's in the breed yeah it's in the breed it's also in her like upbringing she, how she was raised she has a home you know homeless guy's dog and stuff like that for the first year of her life she was taught to be defensive and um you know protective and all of that so that's like ingrained in her so it's a combination of breed and then what do you do with that breed when you first get that puppy and there's all these articles i've read over the years about that the the it actually starts when the puppy's like in the neonatal phase, like if the mother's exposed to stress, like that, it starts then. That makes sense. It's the same way with kids. It totally is. So yeah, you start there. And then you also think about like the dogs that, how is the breeder raising the puppies before you get them? Like the breeders that have the dogs inside their home. I know not all like large breed dogs, like if they have a litter of 10 dogs or something like that, they're not going to necessarily have them in their living room. But yeah, when we went to pick up Rose and Levi, they were in a little x pen like a little circular pen right in the middle of their living room so the people's grandkids and their kids are coming and going all the time the tv's on they're eating dinner they're in the kitchen cooking they're doing all these things and the puppies are exposed to the, all, all that motion all that stuff going on um if they're outside and they're in a really quiet environment for the first eight weeks of their life those are usually the puppies that come to preschool at like 10 weeks of age and they're really really shy and nervous and that might also just be, this is your dog's personality. And we're going to have to really work hard to make them more confident. But that's usually kind of, it's usually environmental and somewhat genetic as well. 
I think environment plays a huge part. And so people that get puppies when they're like four months and up to, and they're shy and nervous or whatever, I'm, I'm always a little bit more anxious about how are we going to turn this around now versus somebody that comes to me with their puppy that's eight weeks old. I'm like, I think it'll be okay. Just don't stop coming to classes and don't stop doing all the things that I ask you to do. So it's, it, it's dependent on a lot of things, but I think, I think the most important thing is like, be really aware of what you're choosing because you, you'd be nice to enjoy your dog and them to enjoy you and that you're compatible. So it's like, there should be a Tinder for dogs and people. <laughs> well, you got to think you're picking don't, a they partner don't even get in a lot to, of ways. They don't even show, shouldn't even be shown certain types of dogs. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Like you, based on you your don't profile. Leave your house, you don't exercise. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're gonna. Here's the list of dogs you're allowed to get. Yeah, and there, I'm sure there's all kinds of there's all kinds of quizzes and stuff like that. But when people are determined to get what they want to get, then that's what they're gonna do. But a lot of times they end up suffering for it. And if you don't have a responsible breeder to say no, then there you go. A lot of breeders, if they they're not gonna ask any questions, it's more, it's they're they're not necessarily as concerned about worrying about what's gonna happen to that dog for its lifetime. So I mean, a lot of the people won't even like my breeder. We haven't fixed Levi. Uh, he's stayed intact, and so he's he's fine still, and he's he's handling his manhood okay for the most part. And I had a vet tell me that that a lot of those little dogs have metabolic issues and end up having low thyroid and all that. And she's like, if he could, if he does okay health wise, she's like, I'd probably keep him intact, honestly. And so he's gotten away with it for longer than any other dog I've ever had. I've never had an an intact male dog like for this long before. Um, but yeah, like the, I guess in, it's like on that, on that note, a lot of dogs over in, in Europe, they don't, they don't fix their dogs a lot of That's times. That's what I don't understand is there's this huge push in the States and I'm assuming it's just because of all the dogs that are in these kennels. Overpopulation. But it does change your dog, right? When you get them fixed, their it personality does. changes. Yeah, it does. And I think it, there might be a, a big health aspect to that more um, there's more, way more studies now about dogs and needing their hormones and the testosterone for growth. Shocker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, if you can have responsible dog owners, then you can you can manage that better. So, a lot of clients are telling me and asking me, "What do you think I should do?" Um, the vet told me that it's it is better to wait, and I said it is better to wait. If you can wait it out, like it sucks with female dogs when they go into heat because it's three weeks long. It's not fun, especially when they're in your house. But uh, like with Rose, she's a 20-pound dog. I waited a year. Like if it was a, a German Shepherd, Golden Retriever, Roddy, Doberman, Pitbull, um, I would I would go like a year and a half to two years. There's a lot of studies with for Goldens specifically that the hip dysplasia is is um, more prominent in dogs that were fixed at a younger age. So I, I think think times are changing uh, in in America as far as like better nutrition, better understanding, better education, things like that. Um, but I think there's still like room for improvement. Yeah. It seems like more people are willing to go down this path and actually invest external time into their dogs. Yeah. But there's still a big disconnect, especially when it comes to picking the breed. Yeah. And in investing on the back. selfishness a bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's hard because you see these dog breeds and maybe you grew up as a kid and you always wanted that kind of dog and then you become an adult and you have the money and you can do it. And you're like, this is the dog I'm going to get. Yeah. But you work 10 hours a day 
and you're not really home and you don't go for runs that you could take the dog on or walks. Yeah. Agreed. You really want the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then they'll, they'll get it and then they'll be miserable. And then you're shocked you have these problems. Yeah. Why is the dog tearing everything up in my house? I don't understand. Yeah. And then they call me and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> you waited too long. Yeah. And that is, and I have That's to challenge. be careful with that, not to like, I'm always like telling people like, you know, this can change, but you might also have to accept some, some things too. keep working on making your dog better, but also don't be disappointed all the time and frustrated and mad at the dog all the time because they're not better. Like they can keep growing and getting better just like us. Like if someone doesn't want to change and they say no one changes and, you know, none of us change, we all stay the same. I don't think that's true at all. You shouldn't be stuck like not changing. You should be trying to change. And I think like that whole like with age comes wisdom, you should be learning lessons and like getting smarter as you get older. Like that's part of the shift, I think, you know, too. And so it's the same thing with like teaching your dogs that what you put into them you know, you're going to see the product of that the more time you spend. I love those clients that they're just like, I'm just going to keep coming and as long as I need to, you know. And I just, I love the evolution of change that I see over time. I just had this class, which I intend to do more often now. I, I, I lapsed on it a bit because of, of this whole health thing this year. I just, I kind of got away with the, what I could do this year. It started in January and I thought I was pregnant. And then I thought I was having a miscarriage in February. And then by March, something was wrong. And so I went to the ER and they're like, you have a molar pregnancy. And I was like, what the heck is that? And it's like when just one side of the chromosomes, generally the male chromosomes, go in and divide cells in the, in the, the woman's uterus. And it becomes a problem, obviously, very quickly. And your body thinks it's pregnant. So I had to have surgery. And then I had to have like these all these checks all the time to see like what was going on with this pregnancy hormone in my body. It was like 600,000 or something like that. And like a fully pregnant woman is usually like 200,000. So I'm like, no wonder I feel like a crazy person. <laughs> so I mean, funny, but not funny. It was like months of watching those levels and then uh, eventually having to like even reluct very reluctantly because I'm very much into like the natural side of things and like going with eastern medicine before western medicine but it, it got it gets scary when a doctor keeps telling you over and over you really should do this because there was a there's a big thing about like if it comes back that the cells can turn cancerous very quickly and they can spread to other organs faster than you realize and so then you start talking about that and I'm like crap so I was going through a lot of that like constant like stress and nervousness and fear and then finally having to like sign up for these like these injections that were like like kind of a termed like not a big deal it's just an intramuscular injection a couple of times a week but it was a big deal it made me really sick and made me feel terrible and i really didn't want to do it but i did it because i felt like that's like what the advice was over and over and over and told to me and i but i kept working through it i just didn't want to give up on working but it got pretty stressful like a couple of times being like well i got to do this treatment today like now so i got to cancel class you know for a week so i just kind of did my three rotational classes but like as i started to get better um and actually i was i wasn't necessarily getting better i got referred to ucsf and so I went down there and he started talking to me about, well, we're gonna, we might have to be like switching to a new 
like type of chemotherapy where we do like a, a two type like approach and all that stuff. And I was just like, oh, this is getting gnarly. Like this is a total nightmare that will never end. Is that what those injections were, were a type of chemotherapy? Yeah, it's like called methotrexate. People use it for rheumatoid arthritis a lot of times. And so it's like a very necessary thing. It's not necessarily like gonna make you super sick but it definitely made me not feel good at all Hard on your body yeah but i didn't like lose my hair and all that it wasn't like having a port and having chemotherapy that way but it still is really really hard on your body um that's kind of why i went into like the eating way better i even did like a, a thing with do you ever heard of diatomaceous earth Mm-mm. it's like a uh, i was trying to remember how to word it it's like the uh uh exoskeletons of like um, ancient sea crustaceans or something like that. So diatomaceous earth is, Tessa would probably know about this. It's really good for using with chickens. It's like when you put it in there, like in there on um, the dirt where they dust and stuff, it can take care of like um, parasites. You can also put it in their food and it takes care of internal parasites. It's good for flea control. So what it does is it's like, it's like little tiny itty bitty little like crystals. It's not good if you breathe it in because it'll, it actually is harmful to your lungs, but putting it on an animal's skin or ingesting it isn't harmful. It'll only go after what it, you know, what it's trying to go after. I use it now all the time for my pets for flea prevention and on the carpet, but I did like a, a trial with it, take ingesting it after all this stuff was done and trying to get all this stuff out of my body. I did like, I've been doing saunas. There's a new sauna place in Fortuna. It's really cool. And it's named Cosmic Roots. It's a friend of mine who opened it. I love going to the sauna, but like the Epsom salt baths, like if you're looking to detox and then the diatomaceous earth was really interesting. And I noticed like, a big shift when I started doing that. You did like t- 10 days on, 10 days off, 10 days on, 10 days off. And I, I started losing a lot more weight after that. What is it? What is it? It's, it's a powder. It's a powder. Yeah, Where do it, they make it from? And they make it from the, the this these like, like I said, these old like crustaceans off the sea floor. So, if, so is it like a calcium? It's 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 like basically little exoskeletons. Huh. I know. It's crazy. That, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I haven't heard about that. And if you look it up, it'll talk. It's like, it's also silica based. So silica is actually really, really good for your body. It's like kind of like a, I think it's a kind of like a form of collagen. And so I just noticed that I started feeling a lot better after I did it. And it's kind of like off the cuff, but I was like, I don't care, whatever. So you're supposed to do it for like 90 days every year. And I was like, I'll prob- probably do it again. Like, why not? Um, but back to the UCSF thing, when I went down there, he started giving me all these options. And then he's like, I just want to do a couple basic things just to make sure that we're not like missing anything. And so I remember like leaving and driving back to my aunt and uncles in Santa Rosa. And I was like kind of waiting for his phone call. And he called and he's like, I can't believe it. He's like, I was I was shocked. And I was like, what? He's like, you're you're like pregnancy hormone levels were the same, but I did like a urine test for pregnancy and it was negative. And I was like, so what does that mean? He said, you have this thing called phantom HCG. And I was like, well, what is that? And he's like, well, he's like, it's complicated, but it basically means you have like a low level of pregnancy hormone in your system. And he couldn't quite answer the question because I think it's hard for them to answer. But I was like, could that be something that can like a woman can hang on to that from like having a miscarriage? Because I had had two in 2021. And he wasn't too sure on his answer on that. But like I remember when we got off the phone, I looked it up. And the first thing it said was like phantom HCG is oftentimes leads to misdiagnosis and inappropriate treatments of chemotherapy. And I was just like. Oh, no. And so. 
not to look back and think like, you know, this was all like not done correctly or anything like that. He even said like any doctor in this situation and all that would have done things the same way and all that. But I was so grateful for this doctor at UCSF, like one visit down there. And so one of the things I heard from a lot of people um, over the years, even since I moved here, um, is like, get a referral, get a referral, get a referral, like anytime something's wrong. And that was like hugely impactful for me because I haven't had to have single treatment since then. No treatments. Like it's just slowly gone down. Now it's almost to zero. So everything's getting back to normal. And so, yeah, it got a lot healthier after all of that crap ended so as soon as I started feeling better I started scheduling more classes and stuff and like the canine college was the one I hadn't done for so long so I scheduled I had about four people that were interested at first I ended up with 15 people and it was such a cool class because everybody but one person who had just done some private lessons with me had been doing classes for years and so to do this like high level, it was like having college students that were super intelligent and like very focused and so polite and, and um, you know, like had etiquette. It was just like such a breath of fresh air. It was so different than the puppy classes, nothing against the puppies, but they're chaos like incarnate. And then all these college dogs were puppies at one time. So it was really a cool experience to work with all these people that were just amazing dog owners and you could see that just on how all these dogs acted we're in this big building together and they're all just walking around healing you know being calm and quiet not one reactive dog in the whole group it was amazing and so like my motivation now is to try to offer the college course like in between each elementary to just keep motivating people to like keep going up because that's kind of why I called it an academy it's like that your dog's education doesn't need to stop after one class you know one continuing process yeah it definitely is and those guys proved that to me and it was pretty awesome like I was like pretty teary-eyed at times like just being like damn I love these guys this is a product of like all their hard work but also them like trusting me yeah, validating in a lot of ways because you get to see the results it of your work. It was validating, and I told them that. And unfortunately, we only ended up with like nine on graduation day. But it was funny if you look at my social media page and seeing, because I graduated like four classes in one week. It was like right before last week before staycation. And their picture is like perfect. Like everyone's just like lined up, all studious. The dogs are looking straight at the camera. And then like you see some of the other pictures and the puppies are dragging their owners all over the place. And it was just, it was a really cool experience to do that with them. So that's my, one of my things, like I always am trying to make up new things. It's probably Ragnar hair in my mouth. Um, but I think the the canine college thing is just going to be something that I really focus a lot more of my efforts on. I do like to be available for private lessons, but it's extremely time consuming. I'm still trying to wrap my head around how, how I could make that easier to get to people. Maybe there is some internet-based like way of doing that because I get inquiries all the time. Sometimes I'm too expensive or my my work hours don't fit in with people. And so, I don't know, there might be some solutions to that. But the classes are really what I really, I love, I love it all. But I feel like the investment and the people that keep coming back are the most fun to work with. And, and I love seeing that evolution of change in the dogs and the people. They just, if they keep coming back to, they're going to keep learning stuff and they'll, they'll hear things sometimes and be like, I remember you saying this, but I never stuck. Like now it took me like a year, but it finally stuck. So I'm always like, just keep coming back because you'll keep learning things, you know, 
So hopefully this next year there will be, and January is always a big month for me. It's like slow right now, but then as soon as Christmas is over, all of a sudden, like all my classes usually book up. Is that the influx of it's like, Christmas dogs? Well, it's, it's that and like uh, all of a sudden everyone's like focused on life again and their dog. And so I offer like all, I offer preschool, kindergarten and elementary all in January. So I'll start fresh with all those three classes again. And they usually fill up pretty quick. A lot of people too, like they don't have much to do in the wintertime. So it's like something to do. Well, things get a little squirrely around the holidays. Yeah. I think people kind of put oh, put down a lot of their other priorities. People travel and stuff too. Which I'm like, I'm not much of a fan of leaving Humboldt in the winter. Like, oh, today is like the, today is like the reunion, not the reunion, but the a year f- since the big earthquake. Is it really today? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was down in Rio Del last night too. And like a friend and I mentioned it, like reminded me that it was, it, that it was today. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, that, where did you feel it up here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people in Eureka did. Yeah, it shook pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. And I remember the one on like New Year's Day too. I was just like, seriously? again <laughs> my biggest concern is wh- there's a big like huge 55 gallon fish tank in the living room and i'm always like yeah, you don't want to lose that no it's the first place i go and look because i'm like please it, it sloshed a good amount of water out all over the place but it didn't break at least so that's good but yeah these earthquakes i've had about enough of them <laughs> yeah wow i haven't thought about that in a while it's weird that that was that long ago i know yeah and uh, our podcast our previous podcast was even longer over the summer june yeah yeah, and that was like, like I said, like a month before my mom got sick. So yeah, I feel like the last year and a half has been kind of gnarly. Just a whirlwind. Yeah, definitely a whirlwind. I'm hoping 2024 is going to be better. I wish I could say that I think it is going to be, but I think this is the start of us walking off the club and it's going to get more hectic. I don't, I don't like that. I know. <laughs> I don't like that I perspective. I don't know. I think we all thought that 2023 was going to be a lot better. And I think that was disheartening for a lot of people. I mean, at least that's how I felt. It's like COVID's over. It's going to be better. But then I think people were so shell-shocked from COVID and then had a lot of other things that ended up happening too. Like just my things, like when you're only dealing with that, that's hard enough. But then dealing with the aftermath of like everything that just happened to us for those couple of years was pretty intense too. So I know a lot of people that are just really, really, really stressed out. And so I do hope it's going to be a better year. But I know it's that whole New Year's resolution thing. It's it's going to, you know. Does just because a new year rolls over doesn't mean things are going to be better, but maybe it's all in the perspective, right? <laughs> yeah, I think if you stay offline, it'll be better. I think you've got that going for you. Yeah, yeah. Except for the sprout videos. Except for the sprout videos. But that's just putting out good energy. That's uplifting yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. So I think the YouTube videos could be a great avenue for that. Or even if you set up a Patreon thing and just, I don't know, set some price, but then filmed your classes and it was yeah. like a program that they could work through by watching the videos yeah that's so pretty they can't cool. make it that yeah. might be an avenue that'd be nice for people that can't make it like the night of class too again i know like in the veterans building with the acoustics and they're like how something like that would work but uh, i need to educate myself on the technological side of life <laughs> I'm, I'm lacking in that department so it's a rabbit hole you can go down yeah but i think that would be or even if they just they took the class and then wanted like a refresher they could go back watch the video yeah, or people that just did a can't lot of, make it a lot of, out pe- of town. a lot of people still don't necessarily want to do group stuff after covid which i know really is weird but i mean i, I had a harder time with it in the beginning when people were just like seriously having like anxiety issues um from 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 covid and, and would like drop out of the class after the first week 
and they'd email me or call me and be like, I just can't do it. Like I'm, I'm too anxious in that group setting. That made me really sad. It was like, should be fun thing and be excited about it. But in, a lot of people were still relying on the masks like to protect them. So they didn't want to be in an environment um, with other people that weren't wearing masks, you know? So, uh, and I saw a lot of the like anxiety in dogs too from not being properly like walked and disciplined and all of that too. People were really emotional. And then when you get really emotional people, uh, dogs take a lot of that on. I've learned that with my dogs just with this year. And like, so I'm usually pretty calm person. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm like a high energy, high drive person, but I'm pretty calm and assertive with my dogs, as Cesar Milan would say, <laughs> calm and assertive. But um, just being, um, you know, dogs are very intuitive. So a lot of the people that I talk to that you kind of have to gently ask the question, like, what might be going on with you? Because I'm, I'm having a hard time figuring out why your dog's doing this. And, and a lot of times if I, people will be honest with me, it does come back to them and their dog's having some sort of weird reaction to the way that they're feeling or something that's going on in their life. That's, that's a tough thing to navigate, especially when it's like a couple, you know, and like one person's there with a dog. So I'll just have to make like basic suggestions on how to like approach their partner or lead by example like, okay, if you literally have no other ability to convince this person of what it is that you're trying to do, lead by example. And they'll be like, well, what do you mean? I'll say, well, start walking the dog every morning at 9 a.m. You know, get the crate out and just start doing it again. And if they're going to talk about it or say anything, just do keep doing it. doesn't matter. You know, just take on a responsibility and do it. And if they don't want to get on board with it, then they don't. But you know, relationships and dogs can be a tough one because sometimes people have totally different opinions about the way things should be. Or, or one person does all the work and the other one doesn't. That happens a lot. But they have a big opinion about what's going on with the dog. It's like, well, that's an issue as well. But I like it when um, the younger generation, and I'll say too, it's funny the difference now, like with a lot of people, I, sh I can't do the whole generational thing anymore. I feel like maybe it's, maybe it's just the, effects of doing it for so long is that it's a lot more like of a friendly environment in my classes now where I see like whole families come like couples coming together and people like where when I was doing this when I was younger I don't know what it is maybe it's just evolution of people I think some of it's younger people not having kids now and really investing in their dogs a lot more there's that aspect of it too you know and they're not they're not starting families they're having dogs there's the older generation retiring and just enjoying like, you know, working with their dog together. And I, there's some aspect of, I think, with age and, and wisdom of getting respect from people that maybe I didn't necessarily when I was younger. So I don't know. It's just, it's evolved. Like, it's really nice because I feel like my job is easier because people trust me more. And I think honestly, really, that I just thought about like, the bottom line is like when you live in a small community like this, reputation and word of mouth is is what you got to rely on so i've had people say well you could move and you could pick this up and do this in, you know anywhere else i said well not necessarily not when it's like the way that i do things in a tangible like you know in-person manner uh, it, that's i've worked really hard for a long time to have a good reputation so that's something that comes with time you can't just move and pick that up especially in a small community where people are like who's that you know so 
I definitely fully intend to stay in Humboldt and can keep things going. That's for sure. Yeah. The reputation aspect is, is huge. Yeah, it I is. Mean, if you can build a solid reputation, then you're the go-to. Yeah. And people understand, okay, this person, she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. She's got the catalog of work that shows she is who she says she is. Yeah. Well, the word of mouth is just like when, when people talk about it, it's like, it's, a, it's more trusted than if you just like look somebody up online, I think. And read a Yelp review. Yelp. I hate Yelp. Did we talk about that last Mm-mm. time? They're so. Fr- not a fan. Fraudulent and horrible. Do people still look at Yelp? I don't. I hope not. Because what, what Yelp does is they, they take your worst reviews and they put them at the top and they embed a majority of your good reviews in in the gray zone where most people don't even see and don't even click on it to be able to find them. And then guess what they do? They start calling your business and trying to coerce you into paying them to get more likes and to get to get um, more generation on, on their page and all of that. To be- Has this happened to you? Oh, yeah. Like it got to the point where I had a, a lady that was assisting me for a while that I got so pissed off about that I finally had her call him. And uh, because I had I talked to them multiple times about it. it was just like, I'm not interested in paying you anything. It was pricey too. It's like, I don't even know what it was, but it was it was not cheap. I was like, I'm not interested in paying you anything. I'm not going to do that because I, uh, I had had like one bad review on Yelp and it, and it really pissed me off because it was very thorough and descriptive. And I was like, man... And that's the stuff that hurts your feelings really bad. Like, and those are the, I'm very sensitive. So like seeing that, I was just like, I was really hurt by it. And then I was, there was some other one on like the yellow pages, like thing. It was like, but some of it's like laughable. But when, when people do that kind of stuff, I really don't like to leave bad reviews online because I know how much it hurts. Like for me, like it, it hurts really bad for people to get that. I like to give positive feedback or what I'll try to do is like, Actually, like, have the guts to, like, tell that person, like, directly. Like, this lawyer that I talked to, I was just, like, you know, I was just very honest with him to his face. Like, I could have gone on Yelp or on the internet and been, like, this guy's a fraud. But I was, like, I just told him how I felt about the situation, like, right then and there. I'd rather do that if it's negative, if I want to speak up about it. I think the whole internet bad. I mean, we talked about this in a number of things. I just don't like it at all. I think it's it's mean, the internet bullying thing. I can't even imagine what kids go through. Like all the different forms of communication that kids have nowadays and Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and all the ways that you can imagine that, you know, they're just, I don't know. The internet's a, it's a scary place sometimes for sure. I'm trying to think of what it would take for me to actually go on to Yelp and leave a bad review for someone. Le- Something would have to go chaotically wrong like like to where you're really really pissed off yeah 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 I, and a lot of people don't they're like they're like very crass about it and just like well my pot stickers weren't crunchy enough I didn't like or, the vibe when i got in there and my waitress didn't give me enough water refills or it's like seriously you have enough time to do this i think it's just people being empowered by having an, a, a platform for their opinion i guess too which i guess that's their right but it um i would always be reminded i think one thing i learned this year that was really valuable and was extremely refreshing was that uh, it's like a very eye-opening experience about like my whole experience in the year and all the stress that I had went through. And when I would talk to people a little, just a little bit here and there about it, and they'd share situations or stories, I just kind of had another one of those light bulb moments of like, 
Most of the time when someone's being rude to you or someone doesn't come around or someone disappoints you or someone hurts your feelings or whatever happens or whatever you're thinking in your mind is happening, probably isn't. And we always worry about what's going on with somebody else, but sometimes we don't know what someone's going through. So I don't know, I just had this like realization suddenly of like, don't take it personal. And like the more you actually like talk to people and communicate with them, because I started opening up to the clients more and more about stuff, because like, I'd rather be tr transparent and have them know like why my, I might be a little off my game or I had to cancel class or whatever. And and the love and the the like the return of like affection and like support is like profound and overwhelming in a really positive way. Like brings me to tears because there's some really cool people here. And I think the more that you reach out to people and you're honest with people, then um, you get that back. It's pretty cool. And I think a lot of people suffer and not talk about what they're going through. So uh, I don't know. For me, I'm just a very open, honest, like very outward person. Sometimes I'm, I try not to be, but it's never usually like the right way to go. So I've been very humbled by like the, the, the kindness and the support of the community. That's why I like love the whole local support thing so much. Like this is a Sonny Wong shirt. <laughs> you know Sonny Wong? I don't. No, he's a cool like local artist. You should check him out. He has artwork up all over Eureka. He has quite a few really cool things. And then this is a uh, Labradorite pendant by this um, this gal named Bianca. At, it's called Two Trees Handmade. And uh, she does amazing work. I have a leather purse that she made from scratch. It took her like, I think like at least 24, 25 hours, like doing the entire thing from scratch. And so I like look around for all like the, you know, the local support thing. And I think the more that you focus on that, if if you have a, not everybody has a job that you're supporting locally, obviously, but mine 100% uh, relies on that. If I didn't have the community backing me, I wouldn't be doing so good, you know? So that's what I love the most about my job. And so I'm going to keep that going for sure. <laughs> well, I think it provides a great resource. You know, I think the ability for people to go out there and get this training and feed off your expertise, it not just helps them create a better situation with their dog, it helps their life yeah. because then they don't have this chaotic stress every time they get home yeah. and they're dealing with this dog that's losing its mind because they don't know how to take care of it. Yeah, and everyone's miserable. And everybody's miserable. Instead of having a good time. Yeah, because dogs should be fun and they should be like stress relievers, you know, not... Which is the whole reason why people get dogs. It is, yeah, but sometimes we have like too high expectations without putting in the work, you know. Yeah, I had a lady, Buffy's mom, actually, she was, said something to me the other day about how lucky that Fortuna in specific um, was to have me. And she said, you can just see it around town now. She's like, I've seen it over time. Just like, she's like, I see all the people walking their dogs and the way they're walking them and the terms they're using and the things they're doing. She's like, I know that they've been to you. And she's like, you can see the difference in the dogs, like in our community versus others and how nice it is to just like go to the park Everyone's being respectful. There's not dogs running around like off leash and dog fights and like, and and you just see people having well trained dogs. And I, I that was really cool to hear that. Like to see to to feel like people were you know felt like it was making a big change. So it's definitely the goal. Like is to is to help people. You know, and it's not just Fortuna people, obviously, but that Fortuna is pretty cool. Like town for dog people. It's like it, when people come there for training and stuff, they're always surprised. It's sunny Fortuna. <laughs> it is. It's a, there's something to it. Like, especially up here in Eureka, it'll be foggy up here, but you'll come to Fortuna, it's sunny. 
but we have two really, really beautiful parks down there that I do a lot of my training at too, aside from the veterans building where I do my indoor classes. And the parks are really nice places to walk your dog and stuff. So it's nice to have respectful people walking their dogs. Nothing that I hate more than when I try to go somewhere where there's like leash laws and stuff and there's loose dogs and there shouldn't be loose. There's people that have dogs off leash and they're minding them but it's a pretty small percentage. Yeah, that's a that's a rare sight to see. Normally when the dog's off leash, it's a dog that has no training. Yeah, and no. It's just running rampant. And you can go to certain towns in Humboldt County and you can see the difference or certain places, like the difference between going to the Arcata Marsh and the Arcata Community Forest is going to be huge. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, like go to the Arcata Marsh if you want to have a a calm stroll with your dog on leash with rules and people that respect them. Go to the community forest if you, if you want a bit of chaos and mayhem, you know, and dogs m- potentially running down the hill after you on trails and having someone yelling like, he's friendly. So there's certain areas I don't really take like my dog classes to anymore like I used to just because of some of those risks. Um, but at least there's there's a lot of places that that people are very good about that. The one bummer about Humboldt which I understand why is because there are uh, irresponsible dog owners. But if you go from like Scotia to Trinidad, you know, pretty much everything's going to be dog friendly aside from a few places. Like um, there's a couple trails in like the Hooked and Slough and stuff like that, where they're like bird bird watching trails and stuff like that, that um, are all dog friendly. But if you go like north of Trinidad up to the border, all those amazing trails up there, no dogs. And then you go down into the into the Humboldt Redwoods, you know, along the Avenue of the Giants, no dogs. And so that can be kind of frustrating because there's so much beautiful, like, places to, to hike and to see, but a lot of those places are, are not dog-friendly. I wish they would be a little more lenient or maybe change some of those laws or open up a few of those trails to, to dog people that were responsible. I can understand it, but yeah, for me, like, doing my hiking classes and stuff, which I love doing that one, we have a pretty like narrow area. I mean, there's plenty of places to go, but Humboldt's a really big county and there's a ton of trails. And I can't like take people on a trail that's like not dog friendly with like, you know, 12 dogs traipsing around. <laughs> uh, Why are they not dog friendly in some of these parts? I think it's the responsibility, the dog poop, like just people just being irresponsible. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that's it can ruin it, I think, for people. And there's also like certain laws and things. Like, for example, I got to the South Jetty a lot. Um, like the, uh, you go out like Lolita, if you'd go out Hookton Road from Eureka all the way out to the to the beach, the South Jetty like runs down along that a line there. And I go out there because it's a great place to go that's pretty isolated, especially during the weekdays. And, uh, but like from April to September, you're not supposed to let your dogs off leash because of the snowy plover season. Cause these little guys lay their eggs right out on the beach with no cover around them. But the crazy thing is people can, I mean, ride horses, which I don't think that's a big deal, but then what's up with the ATVs and the side-by-sides and the Jeeps and stuff like rolling down the beach. But yeah, nobody's watching out for anything on those. No. And I know I, if I ever do go, I, I'm usually pretty respectful. I'll have the dogs leashed, and if I get all the way out to the water, I'll let them off for a few minutes, but back on. But I do love, like, September to April because it's the the season changes. It's not their hatching season anymore. But I heard from a client, I was wondering, because I will usually go on a weekday, like, early, so I don't run into anybody. And this guy said, yeah, I, I went out there. On, I was out there on a weekend, 
and some guy came barreling down the beach on an ATV and and he ticketed him for his dog being off of a leash. And he even had the argument with him about the ATV thing. He's like, this is ridiculous. This doesn't make any sense. So they'll be serious about it. So I, I think some of the places in Humboldt, it's, it's about the wildlife, which I respect that. Um, but yeah, the whole ATV thing. Yeah, kind of a double standard there. And he gets a little bit more, potentially more damaging, but you know, I don't know. It seems kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. The cognitive disconnect there is a little interesting. Yeah. There's a little bit of like blurred lines there. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could, I guess you could like, um, you could say the dogs would sniff out a nest of eggs or something like that and eat them. I'm not sure, but <laughs> it's just kind of funny. So yeah, I respect the I respect the laws. I wish we could have a little bit more leniency, especially like I love all those trails down on the avenue of the giants. And like I'm to me it I wouldn't want to go hiking unless I was going with my dog. So it would be weird for me to like go on a hike by myself. So I'm sure there's plenty of people that probably appreciate going on those trails and not having dogs on them. But for me, I'm like, darn it. Well, I think as we move more towards people training their dogs and having responsible dog ownership maybe some of that will start to shift yeah it might take pushing and asking and asking yeah, and pushing and i'm all hmm. <laughs> it might be a thought <laughs> it probably won't happen but but yeah there's uh, there's a lot of beauty in humboldt county that i think it'd be nice if people had more places to walk their dogs but there's plenty of places and there's a lot of beaches one of my favorite ones I started going to a lot more this year is Stinky Beach, which is such a terrible like term. Do you know where that one is? Yeah. Yeah. So we park at the park and ride um, at Herrick and we'll walk the dogs out there like down. Well, they just paved that whole area. It was kind of cooler before because it's kind of like off the beaten track and you went over the railroad tracks and over the bridge where the Elk River runs through. It's all paved now, which is fine, but there's all this like bicycle traffic and like other people walking along it. So it's more convenient, but I kind of like like the rusticness of 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 it. Um, but that's a really cool beach. A lot of times there's not a lot of people out there. And one I haven't done in a while, which is a trip, I should probably just like go check it out sometime. Not now, but like in the springtime when things is the Lolita Tunnel Trail. And so it's a it's like a mile hike or so down the railroad tracks, like right in the middle of Lolita, which is tiny. There's just a parking, like gravel parking area and it says Lolita Tunnel Trail and it's pretty bushy. Sometimes it's really bushy. And um, it gets to this this tunnel, railroad tunnel. And so they actually blocked it off the last time I took a group of people there. Luckily they were ballsy enough that we squeezed and climbed and pushed our way through the barricade because part of the land is like runs across um, cattle land like private cattle land they luckily let people walk the trail but i think the cattle were going into the tunnel so they're getting into oh trouble. so they blocked it mm -hmm. off but i've got some pretty cool like hikes and pictures and videos of us actually like walking through the tunnel and it's kind of, it's pretty creepy but it's really cool because of all the graffiti and stuff that people do in the tunnel and stuff so i took i take the dogs and the people out there and we'll take flashlights and like check it out that's a pretty cool one to go to if you ever have a chance to yeah i'll have to check that out that's what i used to love about devil's playground was the artwork that people put up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm into graffiti for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, some of it's pretty impressive. And the tunnel's pretty creepy. It doesn't look very long, but once you get in there, you're like, oh. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I've never made it to the end. I think that the last, like, third of it is pretty much always underwater. Um, in the wintertime, it's probably not a good idea. It's probably pretty mushy. Be ready to, like, do some bushwhacking. But I think someone clears it out in the springtime. But that one I haven't been able to do in a while. But it's a cool one. 
yeah, it's it's kind of adventurous and fun. So that would be a really rad one to check out. Get some ice cream from the Foggy Bottom Boys. Go for the like. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, well, Jenna, thanks for doing this. I got to get out of here. It's already... We did it again. 6.15. We did so. We did some time. <laughs> we did it again. <laughs> uh, do you want to plug all your stuff where people can find the Academy, find you? Yeah, sure. Redwood Coast Canon Academy. Looking for like just feedback and social stuff and, and all the fun stuff would be like my Instagram page is Redwood Coast Canine. Uh, Facebook's Redwood Coast Canon Academy. Your best bet for signing up for a class, guys, is just get on the website, fill out a registration form, and pay for your class. Um, people always do the registration form, but a lot of times they don't pay in time, and that's that's how you get that's how you get in. Um, it's very straightforward and clear about which ones to sign up for. Puppy preschool starts January third at six p.m. That's for the youngest pups. Uh, puppy kindergarten is going to be January seventeenth at seven fifteen p.m. And then we've got Canaan Elementary for the adult dogs. Anything about eight to 10 months and up, whether they're experienced or not, is going to be Tuesday, uh, January 9th at 6 p.m. Everything's done at the Fortuna Veterans Building. Come springtime, I take uh, my Canaan Elementary class outdoors and we do a, a nice variety of stuff, hiking, walking, working for play and all that. So that's always really exciting. And then Canaan College will be in the rotation in 2024 for sure. So yeah. Be on the lookout for that. Definitely. That's a really good one for those people that are wanting to stick it out and really put in the work. Now that's like the fourth level of the academy. So that'll be exciting to see more of those. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, this it. was, I, I knew it was going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. It was. And more sake. Yeah. Th yeah. The sake was great. <laughs> it was good. It's a good one. Yeah. I'll, the, I'll put a little plug in there for people to see what kind it was. It was good. It was good. I really like it. Little Japan. They're little amazing. Japan. Yeah. And they go over there to Japan for a lot of their their stuff. They have it's very high quality stuff. That's a really cool store. That was very accommodating too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, Jenna, this is great. All thank right. You. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.